0: Way too many first responders are struggling with their fitness, health, and body goals, but you're not alone in that fight. I'm Ted with Fit Responder and with 11 years experience in law enforcement as well as being a fitness coach for over 15 years myself, I've created some free resources as well as one-to-one professional fitness coaching for first responders. So I want you to check us out, fitresponder.com or look us up on Instagram at fit.responder, that's fit period responder. And let's see you there. Chat soon. Thanks, and enjoy the podcast.
1: The Poorly Made Police podcast is for entertainment purposes only. This podcast has explicit content and is meant for a mature audience. The views expressed on this Poorly Made podcast reflect the opinions of the guests and host. They do not reflect the opinion of any department or entity. Nothing on this Poorly Made podcast should be construed as legal or marital advice. If something offends you, I kindly invite you to lighten the fuck up. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the orgasmic sound of a Crown Vic. Were you pushing buttons? Are you talking? What are you doing over here? Are you ready? Yeah. Making me edit already. (laughs) (laughs) now joining the podcast i have the man the myth the legend and somehow i think this may be one of the first podcasts out of like 200 i don't know for that many but i don't think we really talk detective stuff i have detective munch here how are you buddy i'm doing great how are you i uh i'm living through snowmageddon right now in iowa we're 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 being careful today. I've got the kids and the wife home because of snowmageddon and norovirus. So if uh, if all of a sudden I get sick, I've got the kitty litter box down here and I can take care (laughs) of business and jump right back into it. Well, that'll save you a trip. (laughs) It will save me a trip, but nobody cares about me puking or shitting into a cat box, which we're off to a great start here. Um, Don't sell yourself short. I think that some, some people tuned in just for that. Everybody knows everything about me is short, especially yeah. the women I've been with. Yeah. Let's talk about you, Munch. Are you having anything mm-hmm. to drink today?
0: I am, actually, just just for this special thing. I went and I got a bottle of, uh, it's from the Secrets Distilling Company. It's called Wildfire, and it's cinnamon-flavored whiskey. It's okay.
1: So it's basically like fancy fireball is what you got there?
0: It's like, no, it's not even fire. I feel like fireball is kind of like, is, is, you know. A little bit more cinnamon, like it's very cinnamon. This is just kind of
1: whiskey. It's kind of got like a cinnamon aftertaste. It's okay. But... This is bad, and maybe this shows something. But I, I really miss drinking. And I was mm-hmm. thinking as I hit record, I was like, well, you know, I don't have to worry about picking up the kids. Mm-hmm. I can, I can day drink, but I'm, I'm staying strong. No drinking until I, I, I meet my goals, which sucks. I hate it.
0: Well, no, um, I mean, it's, it, it's good, but you know, like I work midnight, so our saying is, you know, it's eight a.m. somewhere.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, here's here's the big problem that's coming up in my life is my national holiday. St. Patrick's Day is coming up in the near future. Mm -hmm. I'm going to drink that day. I don't weight loss goal or not. I'm drinking on that day. And I I'm a little ashamed of that. Hopefully I can make it. I don't think I'm going to, but I'm going to try. Well, if you're not
0: throwing up green, you're not doing anything correctly.
1: Exactly. It's the way of the Irish. All right. So so enough about my uh, alcoholism, apparently. (laughs) Let's talk about you, man why policing why did you get into police work
0: well i just thought you know once upon a time in my younger days i wanted like i wanted to do something that was a little bit more like i didn't want to work in the office i knew that and you know i was good at talking with people but i didn't really know how to like channel that i don't want to be like a therapist or anything like like that um you know and the same thing you know people will say oh i want to it's a noble profession. I want to help people. Yeah, all that stuff. But I really, I wanted at one point wanted to drive a car really fast, and you know, take an action stance and do that stuff you see on TV. Um, Did you just say
1: action stance? Action stance. You know, when you take out, you take an action stance. Oh, I know, I know. I just, I like, I like that terminology. But go on.
0: Yeah, taking action stance. Yeah. So I thought I'd do that. I, you know, have an action stance. Uh, yeah. So that's just what I set out. I, you know, I went to college and. My, my dumb self got a criminal justice degree, um, which I, I wouldn't recommend anymore. I wish I had got something more useful. Um,
1: Dance yeah, therapy. But,
0: but, you know, I started looking around in 2005, 2006, and I was living in the Midwest at the time. And at the time, it was really hard to get hired out there. It would be like, there'd be like a spackling of job openings. It's not like anything like it is now. There'd be like five or six job openings in the state. And so I'd be going around the state. I'd see the same several hundred people applying for those same jobs everywhere I went. So, um, yeah, eventually I just, I said, okay, I'm just going to start looking at other parts of the country. And I started putting in East coast, West coast. And just so happened this, uh, large department on the East coast called me first. And that's how I ended up out here. Do
1: you miss the Midwest?
0: Absolutely. All the time. Um, I miss the weather. I miss how uh, the people are a lot more polite it's slower there um, where I'm at every where I'm at now. Everybody's like very important wherever they need to go is much more important than where you need to go. Um, and what they got going on is much more important than what you got going on. So I got, I kind of miss like the Midwest slower, nicer
1: mentality. Would you say that everybody's in a hurry and they don't know why?
0: Correct. I okay. would.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, just based on my interactions with people out here, it's, look, there, there's assholes everywhere, everywhere on this planet. Mm-hmm. I I think the percentage is less in the Midwest, or at least that's my perception, at least out in the country. I mean, the big cities, big city, anywhere you go is basically the same yeah. place, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, that's, that's right. Just, I don't know, everywhere, people constantly, as soon as that light turns green, they honk.
1: Big like, hurry, man. They're in a they big hurry. They,
0: they got really important brain surgery. There are a bunch of brain surgeons out here. Everyone's in a rush. They all got to go save some children somewhere or something. I don't know what they're doing.
1: Well, not to jump ahead, because we got a lot of shit to talk about. But, mm-hmm. you know, you've been on for a, a hot minute now.
0: Have yeah, you thought almost, about
1: trying to go back to the Midwest? or you, you pretty much implanted I, where you're at now?
0: I'm kind of planted. You know, I moved out here, and then I, I married – I met a girl out here, of course, you know, we're married. She's kind of embedded out here, her family's here. And also um, with how our pension is set up, you know, I'd be walking away from a large percentage um, going back. I thought about it. You know, we always, uh, we, we kick around one day when that pension's coming, you know, go back to the Midwest, it'll stretch farther out there. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a pipe dream at the moment. I still got a little bit more to go. I'm at year 17, I Got like another, uh, however, that math works. I gotta leave at 25.
1: Okay, so you got about eight more years to go, but you're yeah, on the home like stretch now.
0: Ish, <laughs> I hear it, I hear that, don't feel like it, but I'm getting there.
1: All right, so you started in 06, so you Correct. started um, pre Ferguson, pre everything going oh, on. Oh, yeah, how. How much did the job change for you? Like you, how long were you on patrol for before you moved? I
0: was, I was, um, in patrol for like about six years. Well, I was in pitch when I was in patrol, I was in patrol and I also worked in a plain clothes unit, um, doing just, you know, your normal guns and drug stuff. And I was in a traffic unit for a little bit, but I mean, if you group those all together, it was like six years. Um, and then i be, I made a detective in 2013. And so I'm coming up at, at 10 years as a detective.
1: Okay. Shit. So you were off the road pre Ferguson then. Oh yeah. I mean, we, we got
0: reacted like, you know, when, when shit goes downhill, they, they put everybody back in uniform and, and all that. So I was out, you know, the place that we were doing, we did have some rioting. And so, um, you know, I, I was out there, but yeah, as far as, you know, having to, I wasn't answering calls for service post Ferguson or anything. I was l- lucky enough to miss that.
1: So in your six years on the, on the road, Did you notice any like major changes, or was it? Oh, it's huge, gigantic. I was gonna say that it it seemed like where you were on, it was like the fucking glory days.
0: It was no, my my. I will say my first, I'd say, call my my first three years were really fun. Um, but my first five years were fun. Like they we had a good time. We were out there. We were, you know, we were gunning. We were doing stuff. They lug when we when we lock up a bunch of people with a bunch of guns and they were happy about it. Like we got praised for doing it. They didn't really, they weren't really concerned about how we did it. They were concerned that we did it. We got it done. You know, obviously we'd be legal. We didn't do anything illegal, but you know, sometimes it's not pretty. And that wasn't, uh, you know, everybody wants everything to be done like, like quick and pretty and nobody hurts. Nobody goes to the hospital and everybody's compliant in the neighborhood loves us afterwards. Back in the day, they didn't care. They just like, go out, get stats, bring them in. And, and that's what we did. And it was, we had a lot of fun.
1: Well, I think just the the mindset has changed so much where right? I think, and I think people still know, but now people don't accept it. Like I think before people knew, Hey, like bad stuff happens in these neighborhoods, bad people live in neighborhoods, bad people commit crimes, do what you got to do kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That was a ginormous crash. I hope nobody's dead upstairs, but <laughs> I now it's just like that's not accepted that like oh everybody's nice you know cops should be able to be magical wizards that talk everybody down um yeah I, I wasn't as articulate articulate rather as, as I w- would want it to be but you know what I'm saying like no, absolutely. there was an understanding it just kind of is what it is and people mm-hmm. don't understand that now but the criminal element has not changed
0: no I mean if anything they've definitely become more emboldened like um you know, we, we used to see like back in the day, there was always like the community gun. There'd be like the gun that, you know, people would be around. They know where this gun is, but it would be like stored in a in a barbecue or in the wheel well of a car or being like an empty Doritos bag nearby or something like that. Now they just keep it on them. You know, now they're, they're not worried about being they're not worried about being pressed out. And that's why we got more shootings, because more people are just have a readily available firearm where they used to stow it just in case. Now they just have it on them, you know. It's now things have changed a lot, and the whole um moving kind of from a law enforcement perspective to more of a service industry almost it's kind of what they've reduced police to. It's kind of like, oh, we're here to provide a service, like we're the help. And um,
1: are you allowed to say the help? I don't know. <laughs> I think we're getting you know, there we go. See, there we go. I might have Gee, just but there again. somebody, it's such a like an innocent thing. I, I think I had this conversation. I don't know if it was here or somewhere else, but, you know, my uh, where my wife works, she deals with the elderly and they will call people to help. It's yeah. not because they're racist and they hate people. It's because that's the way they spoke. Yeah. You know. And it's again, like people fucking lose their mind over like the littlest fucking shit.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I have, um, you know, there's a, obviously like I work in a large city. There's your more residential area. Your, there's your more affluent area. Definitely the more affluent area. I just noticed they just talk to you like, oh. Uh, you know, I, 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 I called in a delivery, I called for a police delivery and they just expect you to be at their beck and call when you get there. But now I think well, that's the mentality everywhere. <laughs> like, yeah, it's,
1: it's... I, I think it is too. Yeah. yeah like you... I love this, this whole, like, you know, there's never a cop around when you need him kind of thing, which is, which is probably true,
0: right? There's now, now it's much more true than it used to be.
1: Yeah. But even then, you know, you don't have a cop, you know, unless you're like New York or something, you don't have a cop on every corner, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, I don't think that the police were ever supposed to be like bodyguards and nobody wants that anyway. Right. Mm -hmm. Do you want, do you you want big brother all over the place? But fuck Mm -hmm. man, if they're not there within 30 seconds, you know, people are not self-sufficient at all anymore. Yeah. And
0: it's, and the the big, um, yeah. And the big push from like, you know, we want to clear the block. We don't want people hanging out. We don't, whatever, whatever like. No, we just now it's more like, Oh, we got to somehow get these groups of people, in job in a in a job agency or a temp agency that'll fix it or well, whatever and that doesn't happen you know they they have all these wild ideas about these services you know the defund thing hit us they took out a bunch of money out of our budget and they said we're going to move it to these other agencies when you call 911 those other agencies aren't coming they're not that, they're not even an option you call 911 it's police and fire that's what you get there's no other there's no mental health there's no crisis hotline there's no nothing like that None of them are coming, but who knows? Yeah. So either way. So yeah, it has changed a whole lot. It went from being a really fun, exciting, um, occupation to go into, to, I don't know. It's a whole bunch of liability you take on now. Like I, if I had the opportunity, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it again. If it was, if it was now.
1: I, that was actually a thing I was going to ask is, um, down the line. Cause you know, now obviously you're a detective and we'll get into that, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I know some people that are detectives and they said, yeah, if we ever had to go back to patrol, we're done. We're not going to fucking do that. Oh
0: yeah. No. And it's, it's a reason, you know, if, if I wanted to um, take another, pro- I'm at the highest rank of detective I can be now. Um But I could still like go on to be a Sergeant, Lieutenant, whatever. But if you go Sergeant, you got to go back to patrol. And I'm, at least for a little bit of time, and eh, I'm not doing it like uh, there's no way they're getting me back out there. I'm not putting on a, a, a the body camera. Although the body cameras, I don't think are terrible. But this, I don't want the liability. It, it's not worth it anymore.
1: What was your uh, reason to get into the dicks?
0: Well, it's funny because I actually, they offered this test and it was the first time they had offered it in like a decade. Like they had not hired detectives in a long, or promoted to detectives, whatever you want to call it. And then, but I wanted to take. I actually wanted to take the sergeant's test, but this that this test came out first. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to practice for the sergeant's test. I really didn't even study. Like, we have a, like, a written thing. I didn't study for it, but I just happened somehow made cutoff. Like somehow I made cutoff, and on the written test, I'm like, huh, that's in- that's funny. I just like talked about stuff I knew anyway. And then, um, but then it came to like, there's an oral part and a written part. And I, unbeknownst to me, I like I just crushed it on that part somehow. I might, it's probably
1: because you didn't overthink it. I think people go into that shit that really yeah, want it and they just fucking mind fuck themselves. Yeah,
0: I have no idea. So either way, I did well. And then you know, but I was like, okay, so I'll I'll do this uh, I'll do this detective thing while I'm waiting for the next sergeant's exam to come out. But then I got really good at this detective thing, and I really started to like, particularly the kind of cases I was working on. So now I'm just here. And 10 years later, I'm here and I'm teaching other people how to do my job.
1: What do you think it is about being a detective that you really liked? Like what? Like, because you said you're kind of, you know, you're just going to kind of do it to fill the void to to sergeant. What was the hook for you?
0: The hook, you get treated so much differently. You know, people see the person, you know, you look on TV, you see like that, that homicide detective walks up on scene. He's like walking out of the rain. He's backlit you know people have this like idea of what a detective is in their in their mind and they treat you get treated a whole lot better you get treated like you actually know something even if at that point i didn't like when i first got there i'm just stumbling through everything but i looked like i knew what i was doing um yeah you just the, the respect is different and you you don't really have supervision they give you your cases yeah you got to keep up on them yeah you got to be um you know you got to keep showing you're working and they're progressing. But other than that, unless you're like a complete fuck up, nobody bothers you. You can just be out there doing your own stuff. You know, and the money is better. You may, pl- at least on my department, you make plenty of overtime. Um, and yeah, it just, I, I like using my brain a little bit more. I, I'm, there was one point when I was younger. Yeah, I missed the running and gunning and the adrenaline, your driving code and all that. Um, I missed that part. But once you get past that, I I really enjoy what I'm doing now.
1: I have a a good buddy, and this will be a shout out to him that went to be a detective. And we were partners for a long time on the road. And well, not a long time, but long enough. Uh, We were partners on the road and he was always a good street cop. But I always knew he's he's a detective. Like, that's just the way his brain works. You know, a lot of beat cops. And I'm, I'm speaking in generalities. And I know you you know what i'm talking about because you worked in it sounds like a very similar structure of a department mm-hmm. um i know not everybody listening has detectives and all that but yeah. for an agency that has detectives in it a lot of times beat cops will do the very bare minimum and send it up and be done with it and i'm not that guy um and he wasn't that guy but he wasn't that guy to like the extreme like he was mm-hmm. so good at solving cases as a beat cop i knew that was where he was going to go. But you, you brought up something that was really interesting to me. And he told me the same thing is even, even suspects will treat detectives differently mm-hmm. than they would treat a beat cop. Now, granted it's, it's after the fact, like everybody's kind of calmed down. Like I know you're a human being, you've been angry before you could talk about being mm-hmm. angry an hour later and be calmer about it kind of thing. But you yeah. have that added benefit as a detective. I'm sure that's awesome.
0: Yeah. And the suspects do, because there's even times when I'm talking to them and I'll be like, Man, I know these officers brought you here, and I'm just, you know, and now I gotta sit down and talk with you about this. We we do that. We we make do of that separation. That stay they, they, they kind of they they do put us into a different group sometimes.
1: So what oh. you're saying though is, is you play good cop, bad cop, but with the unknowing patrol officer. Correct. So you yeah. are you are not humanizing the badge, you're making cops like selectes. <laughs> Hey, for the I part, it's an
0: investigative technique. It's an interview technique to elicit a confession. That's what it's for. <laughs> it's,
1: okay. It's well, all- now that you use your Jedi mind trick on me, I guess it's okay. Yes. It's all about rapport building. So what kind of units did you work in as a detective and where are you at now?
0: I have only, I've, for uh, the entire 10 years of being a detective, I've only investigated um, child abuse. So f- I primarily uh, focus on, on child sex abuse now, but we also, um, our unit also investigates physical abuse.
1: So where you work, when you get promoted to dicks, so there's not like a general dick bureau and then there's a specialized dick units.
0: No, it's like you you can make it to detective. And then it's kind of like, you know, as units are, you know, there's vacancies or as units, you know, th- their commander shout out like, oh, we need people. We need this amount of people. And they, they divvy it up. I like I didn't want to. I didn't want to do what I'm doing. Like it was not what I picked. I just wanted to go work, you know, in a high crime area, investigate, you know, shootings and, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff Then maybe aspire to be a homicide detective someday, that, that old thing. Um, but just seemed just how the numbers worked. I ended up like they said, OK, everybody else is going to what they want. And then these three people, you're going over there to investigate child abuse. And I was like, ah, well, that's great. You know, <laughs> I really I didn't, didn't want to do it. But, you know, I always make the try to make the best of whatever I get. Um, and yeah, and for some reason I, I found a knack for it. And I, I really found a knack for being able to sit down in a room one-on-one with our suspects and they will just, they just tend to talk to me about everything under the sun. Like I have some of the strangest conversations with people you, you can think of. Like I walk out of there thinking like, I can't believe it's another an adult person literally sat in a room with a detective and said these words. But
1: all right. So that that reminded me of something which often (laughs) these conversations do. But I was in the academy and our sergeant, I guess, had probably done a similar job to what you're doing. (laughs) And he came into us. And and it's funny, though, because we had this really serious conversation. This was one of the few times he actually came in not to fucking wreck us. But Mm -hmm. he came in, gave us a serious conversation and then turned it into something we did wrong and we got wrecked for it. (laughs) But the conversation was, um, he was basically talking about that, like, you know, sometimes doing this job, you're going to have to have uncomfortable conversations and you're going to have to say stuff that you don't believe or say stuff that you cannot believe you're saying because, and he gave the example of like, you know, basically kind of getting along with a pedo. Mm -hmm. Uh, to to elicit a confession which many of us um we all know how how i i can't believe we haven't played this in a while um i we all know how i feel about pedos Mm -hmm. um hold on a second where's my button i'm i'm getting bad at my 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 buttons here
0: yeah you need to get a helper
1: i do need to get a helper
0: how old (laughs) Wait for your kids to get a little bit older (laughs)
1: <laughs> hey will you uh hey sunny boy will you play gunfire when, gunfire please sure when I, at, when I talk about pedos oh here we go
0: here yeah, it there it is
1: there we go yeah. my thoughts on pedos it it's that shit I, I think for a lot of people is difficult just because of what it is you know because mm-hmm. we, we we see the worst of the worst and stuff but when kids yeah are fucking harmed like nothing bad should ever happen to a kid when you see shit like that happening to a kid it's it's hard to contain your anger
0: yeah. And it's true. And there, and there are people that cannot do my job. And I like the ones that acknowledge that they say, I, you know, I said, you know, they tell me, they're like, I don't know how you do that. And I don't, um, you know, I could never do that. And I say, yeah, you're probably correct. You probably couldn't, because it, but it's good to know that if, because just like you said, you got to play nice. And sometimes you got to think if all I got in this case is getting this confession, sometimes you're going to have to say some things, you know, that you don't mean, but you got to get this person to believe you're on their side. You know, <laughs> you got to kind of build rapport and you got to empathize with like, you know, they have whatever the justification in their own mind is. You got to be like, oh, yeah, I can see how you would do that. Or, or you know, you might be talking about like a six or a seven year old, but you're blaming the six and seven year old for the situation. Obviously, you don't believe it, but you need this person to, to think you do.
1: So let's let's change let's change a little bit because i'm curious because i know you're a father is that does that make it harder because i've noticed in a lot of those units not always but a lot of the times i've noticed people in those units don't have kids which i think is probably a good thing I, i mean how do you handle dealing with these types of crimes and then you know having kids does it ever affect you yeah,
0: well, when I originally started, it was kind of crazy because it was at one point our the unit itself was very, we were all pretty young and everybody, it seemed like everybody at one time, there was something in the water because we all started having kids at the same time. Um, but now, you know, years later, I don't, there's times when I have to use empathy, um, you know, to understand things. Like in some of our physical cases, the physical abuse cases, like, you know, have you heard a shaken baby? like um literally you know it's what it is oh i know
1: i know what it is i actually this is gonna sound horrible but Mm -hmm. i i may have made some shaking baby jokes because they used to all right you tell me if i'm a bad person but
0: well we'll have a scale. scale
1: i'm a bad person but they (laughs) used to have the commercials like never ever shake a baby Mm -hmm. and i don't know if they they still play them, but i remember hearing those around the time my first son was born yeah and so Like, I would hold the baby and and mock the commercial kind of thing, obviously not Mm -hmm. shaking him, which it's not funny because it's we're talking about shaking babies. But to me, it was like one of those things. that's so silly. Like, you have to have a a PSA, like, don't shake your kid. Yeah. Uh, You know, like, like you see, you see the signs on the billboard, like, don't forget to be a dad. Thank God that billboard was there. Yeah, you wouldn't know. I would have never, never known. Mm -hmm. Thanks, billboard. Yeah.
0: (laughs) but well, like I was but like I was saying and um cuz like I'm sitting in an interview room with somebody we have like the symptoms and the the child is showing the signs of, of a shaken baby. And like I'll talk to them I'll be like you know I would never shake a baby. But you know I I've had babies, I've raised them. I would never shake a baby, but I can sure as shit understand why somebody would. You know, I can understand how you can get frustrated. I can understand how you're exhausted. I can understand I can say things like that. And actually, you know, if I didn't have the experience having a baby, I would not have been able to, to, um, you know, convey that empathy as well. So in a way it helps me, you know, I try to compartmentalize stuff just like we do, like everybody does in police work. You got to compartmentalize. You got to fall back on work. Um, You know, because obviously, you know, well, we will have, we'll have victims are the same age as my kids. Some of them even, even might look like my kids. Um, but you, you know, do I do I want this person to to be successfully prosecuted? Then I have to do things the right way, and that's just how it goes.
1: I had a case. Um, it was actually it was a shaken baby. But while you were telling your story, I'm just curious because this kind of popped in my head. And again, i apologize for jumping around. It's poorly made. Very but fine.
0: Yeah, poorly made. What?
1: What pissed me off about that particular case is, and this dude, and, and I, I think this case is disposed by now, but the guy's a, a total piece of shit. And I remember when this happened, he had a bunch of warrants for horrendous shit already, like mm-hmm. person's crimes. And then this happened. And then like every year, like we'd have court on him and then he would disappear. But then we'd always have like bolos on this fucking guy for some homicide. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's they kept letting this guy out. You know, yeah, like sounds he about right. Yeah. killed his kid. And and so I was curious, is that something you guys are seeing too, is even on these horrendous child, you know, death crimes, are people getting bond and shit before trial and are reasonable bonds?
0: Yeah. I mean, in our, where we're at, we don't have a bond system like, um, but it is, it is really something how these cases are under prosecuted. Like, um, it's ridiculously, they're ridiculously under prosecuted. Um, like to the effect that we have, we've had cases where somebody has literally like tortured a child for an entire year to the point of starvation. Um, and she's about to get out. That was, she got like nine years for that. Where if you got somebody who steals a TV, like three times in some other jurisdictions, they get like 20 years in prison. It's really something how, um, how under prosecuted these charges are. And they give them and there's a lot of cases they give the parents the like, well, you know, maybe they can just do some parenting classes. Is it really going to help that the parents are locked up? And in some cases, I agree with that. Some cases, I think that there are some parents who literally were just at their wits end and maybe they struck out at their child and caused an injury you know, I don't think necessarily them being incarcerated for a long time is, is the fix all, but there's sometimes people just got to go fuck jail and they got to stay there for a while. Yeah. That's what I can say about that.
1: Yeah. No, I I'm with you. It, I don't know why it, it seems like with stuff with kids Mm -hmm. and, and honestly, like sex crimes with adults, I always feel like a lot of those cases, people are not going to jail for enough time. And, and, I, I try to like look objectively at this stuff and I'm like, well, you know, sometime for instance, like just for the easy example of a rape, mm-hmm. right. Um, That's a big accusation. Right. And yeah, you know, it's essentially even with, uh, and let's say there's no like injury, but they're like semen or something like that. You basically have somebody saying, no, this was consensual. No, this wasn't. And mm-hmm. I almost wonder if sometimes the way the courts look at stuff like that is like, well, he's, he, you know, he gets found guilty, but they're like, well, just in case we don't want to over sentence this guy kind of thing, which is, I get it on one sand. Sometimes these stuff, sometimes the stuff is really hard to prove, which we're going to talk more about that later, but Mm -hmm. that's me objectively, like trying to make sense of like, maybe why there's low sentences on stuff like that. But like, you know, like I, I have a buddy that was talking about a case where a lady, you know, starved a kid to death and she only got like a year or two in jail. Mm-hmm. That's that's fucking life to me, to be honest. Yeah.
0: You know, it came to a point where, um, you know, I had been doing this for so long. I've I've, I've investigated like over a thousand cases of child abuse. Like there's a lot of kids and a lot of cases. And I got to the point of there's things that I can do and there's things I can't do. There's things I can't help. So I kind of have accepted to at this point. That after I make my case, I make my arrest, and it goes over to the prosecutors, they're gonna do what they're gonna, you know, they're gonna do what they're gonna do. Um, that's not something we can control. And you know, I don't know if it's you could say it's politically based or politically motivated. Some of these sentences, um, but yeah,
1: <laughs> like, I don't yeah, know. It's, it, it's it's tough. It's, it's hard it does get frustrating. It. It's hard yeah. to make sense of it, and it does, does get frustrated. Mm-hmm. And I think it's probably same for you guys up there as, as far as people on patrol, because, you know, we see stuff where we work our asses off and mm-hmm. nothing comes of it. And it's like, well, yeah. why am I fucking working my ass off? And I, and I get the whole you can only control what you can control. But we're also, you know, you have feelings and emotions. And when your your hard work is not paying off, then it, it gets frustrating. People. I think that is why people start to punch shit they shouldn't punch because they're like, well, it doesn't matter what I do anyway.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, and it's true. No, like, I tell you, one of my buddies, he's he's an official at a at narcotics unit, and I, t- I saw him in there, and I'm like, what do you do now? And he's like, well, I'm still doing the thing. I'm like, they still do that? I didn't even know we really were worried about, like, drug lockups anymore. Like, that's, for the po- that's almost to the point we're at. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't even realize people were really that concerned about drugs anymore. And that, that's just where it became. It, it went away from, oh, you know, this, you know, drugs cause crime, so we have to lock knock down drugs to prevent other crime. now I just, that's over with, I guess.
1: No, yeah. The, the dare classes and the, well, grade the classes are bullshit. Don't, yeah. don't ignore those kids. Just yeah. do whatever just,
0: you want do. Whatever. I mean, it just, seemed, I, I, I don't know. They don't prosecute it anymore. So well, what's the point of risking yourself for it?
1: <laughs> Reach into the choir brother. Yeah. I know. So, Let's let's kind of go through the numbers here, all right? Because I mm-hmm. I think my goal here on this podcast is to use your knowledge to help some guys out as far as investigations go, and then and I mm-hmm. have some questions as far sure. as how the dicks work. Well, I don't have questions how dicks work, but I have well some, <laughs> but I'm just trying but to before see we get times, into it, I, I'm I, trying to see how many times I can say dick on the. Well, podcast. I know, but actually, really I
0: actually I have before we get too deep into it, I do have some some concerns about the memes you keep posting about detectives.
1: Did you see the one with the cat?
0: I did. Directing and it's funny. Record. And I laughed at it. <laughs> but we are all not like a bunch of like Job of the Hut wearing a fedora.
1: You know. Some of- <laughs> oh, oh, that's the podcast art. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh.
0: not-, not all of us. Are- I
1: don't know why that image is fucking cracking me up. <laughs> because
0: that's what I feel like. You know, that's the perception I'm getting. We're not all just like a bunch of fatso sitting around. Some of us are just like festively plump. You know, we're not like completely fat sitting up in the office. You know, it is. I just that's the exception I have. I sit there every detective meme, you know, is, is some fat guy near the end of the line. <laughs> there. Yeah, see, there, there's the man right there. So He's actually, that's my supervisor right there.
1: So. All right. I've talked about this, and if you were an avid listener to the podcast, you would know this. I, which you are, mm-hmm. I, I make the memes because it's low-hanging fruit. Yeah, yeah, were there some fat as detectives? Yeah, there certainly were, but there's also fat fucks on patrol, too. That's correct. Um, there's there's some really fat fucks on patrol, mm-hmm. uh, me being, you know, if I was out there, me being one of them, but I would, it's low-hanging fruit. I, I mean, like, actually, at my agency, a lot of the detectives, um, you know, instead of doing second or third coffee, they would they go to the gym and work out on duty because they could because they didn't have a call load to worry about. Um, that must be nice. Yeah. So that, that that's not everywhere. It's just low hanging fruit. Like and because detectives are a good sport for the <laughs> most part about them. No, um, like I am la- I laugh at them like they're deputies. Fun. <laughs> deputies are good sports uh, that, that low hanging fruit. I make deputy memes. I'm waiting um, for you the- to talk about troopers, troopers. Troopers. troopers they're like 50 50 some of them yeah i know i have no no sense of humor those they don't i mean most of them like the comment you get is um you hate us because you ain't us kind of thing yeah that's like the most common uh city cops which let's be honest here most of my i was a city cop so there's another giveaway kids uh i i think everybody probably knows at this point i wasn't a deputy based on the deputy Mm -hmm. memes but i i come from a city atmosphere so I would argue most of the memes I make are making fun of city cops because that's my experience. And that's what I saw. Mm-hmm. But God, when I make like some very specific city cop meme, like I did the millennial hair thing, man, people get all <laughs> upset about that. that uh, was like funny. the man, but the man buns, like everybody's yeah. fucking samurais. Now I, like, you're right. Hell, dude. Yeah. They're out there with their top knot. <laughs> yeah. Fuck it. Cut your man month. Be a man. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so they, 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 I'm I'm wait. sorry that I upset you, Jabba. Oh no, it's. What is it? I think it's Oh, classic. Yeah. All right. I I apologize. It's all, all right. right. My, okay. What now, does I... Luke, say my uh the exalted one or whatever he says. Yeah. So so
0: uh, now I feel like we can start to rebuild. Okay, okay. go ahead. I
1: I will offer my two droids. Okay. Um, <laughs> thanks to all the nerds that get that reference. Yeah, oh, so, I know. I got you, dude. I'm such a fucking geek. I I've yeah. been watching Rebels again. That's such. Uh-huh. a Have you watched that the cartoon? Yeah. it's so no, good. I've watched all of them. So good. It's yeah. better the second time. It's very uh-huh. good. All right. Anyway, on topic, we're going to talk about real adult things at this probably. Probably. Let's run through the numbers as far as. So you're you're on patrol. You get assigned you know and, and i wanted to talk about this we'll run through the numbers at some point i'm gonna rant for a second but i think collectively and you were a patrol guy you probably know we on patrol like we want to be busy but we also don't want to do work like every other american in this country right and you know like when i was on patrol i wanted to do i wanted to dictate what i i was going to do that day uh-huh. um i you know i think all of us <clears> kind of collectively groan when we get a DV or a sex assault or, you know, some kind of child abuse thing, not because we don't want to do it, but because it's not fun, Mm -hmm. you know? And I wanted to talk about that a little bit. Like, I think that's a perfectly normal reaction, but if you don't understand, like, you got to turn that off real quick because that's those type of calls are like why you became a cop, you know, to protect the innocent kind of thing and to help people. So if you, If you can't like turn off your if you can't stop hunting dope for five minutes to do a good investigation on a Mm -hmm. child abuse, you should reconsider your life. So after you're done groaning and you respond over to the call. And I I know every department's different. There's my little asterisk. But what are some of the deficiencies you're seeing for preliminary investigations on these type of calls from patrol officers?
0: So the, the biggest thing with um especially when they're dealing they go and they speak with these young kids you got to understand that young kids say like um you know three four five-year-olds their brain is not cognitively developed to the like an adult's is. so they can't answer the same questions in the same way as you would ask an adult the best the best example i give people is time children little kids cannot comprehend time and sequencing the same way adults do like you can say like, oh, when did that happen? They don't understand what that means. They just know I'm here right now. They don't get that. Oh, that was yesterday because their brain has not developed to that point yet. And the same way with like sequencing, like what came, what happened first, second, third. They, they don't got that. They, they don't just their brain. It's not that they don't want to answer. It's just their brain has not developed yet. And that's what a lot of people go into the perception like, oh, kids are just little adults. You just talk to them like a little adult. And that's absolutely wrong because, you know, apparently a lot of those people who are asking us saying that don't remember being a child and not being able to answer some things because, you know, uh, so officers will come on scene. The best practice when you come on scene in one of these is go to the reporting person, whoever called, it's usually an adult. And you get as much information from that adult as you can. You know, if the adult says this child disclosed this, by the, it would happen like this person who is not here. There's no reason for the officer to even speak to that child at all. You know, this is me speaking in with the facilities we have in like a big city, but it's generally the same generally in everywhere you go, there's going to be some kind of a special investigator who's specially trained to deal with child sex abuse cases.
1: So at, at my agency, yeah. we we referred to, they had a whole service that they would take these kids to. And I'm not going to mm-hmm. call and that's ex- what it is. And that's
0: kind of universally accepted now.
1: I, I feel um, like that's probably a thing where the detective may be there to watch, like, you know, on the other side of the room or outside, probably outside of the room, honestly, or would watch the recording or something. Yeah. But the detective is probably not going to interview this little kid.
0: Yeah, well, you're talking about it's called a forensic interview. Yes, yeah, and it, it takes place at, it usually takes place at um, the Children's Advocacy Center. They're located all over the country. In almost every major city and a lot of big counties, and even a lot of like just big cities um, will have their own child advocacy center. And those are like places they're, you know, they're, they're usually run by some kind of a nonprofit. And they're staffed by people who are specifically trained to interview children regarding this topic. Those are ideally the setting you're going to interview these kids in. Ideally is not sitting in the middle of their living room with their family members all around. And they have to speak to some pert you know, somebody, you know, with a gun on and a duty belt and all that stuff. So for the officer that shows up, you get the who, what, when, where you get that information and you make your notifications to whoever you need to make your notifications to, to start the ball rolling on that. That is how it should work. It should not be that the officer gets down. On, I know it's some of them. They're like, I'm going to get down on one knee. I'm going to let little Jimmy know I'm here to save him. And he can tell me everything. And they, tr- they have their body camera on and little Jimmy tells them a bunch of stuff. And then he goes to just like what you're talking about. They go and have a forensic interview done. And what he told the officer is different than what he told in the forensic interview. And now defense counsel gets all of that. And oops! Now we have oh the kid's inconsistent.
1: By so, the way, well, yeah. I was gonna go rant on the de- defense counsel for pedos, but I'm just, sure. I'm not gonna go on that right now. <laughs> but uh, there's a special place now. We'll just say that. Um,
0: well, you, you can't convict them if they don't get a defense.
1: I know, I know, and I know some. Again, it's somebody has to do it, but just, ha- yeah, they serve uh, a function. They do. Yeah. Stop being, stop being objective in my, well, you know, I,
0: I end up talking with a lot of them also. And a lot of them know, like I talk to them, a lot of them know they're like, you know, they know what their are they know what's going on. They know I can crush their, they know they don't want to take this to trial. Um, And I, I deal with a lot of the same like defense attorneys and no, we talk, they know what their function is, <laughs> you know, but it's not like we're friends or anything, but we're cordial enough, but they serve a purpose.
1: Stop being friendly
0: okay i built
1: everything and not objective be a man yeah um it, it does surprise me and again i shouldn't be surprised but you know you talked about the you know especially knowing where you work people mm-hmm. you know doing shit out of pocket as far as interviewing kids i mm-hmm. i get and maybe rural america where they do not have those types, of, you know, you can't do a forensic interview or maybe you don't have that, which I I would just think at this time, and I'm sure I'll get some comments on it. I just feel like that's probably a pretty normal practice everywhere. I don't care where you are. That's yeah, probably something that should it's happen. It's generally
0: like universal. That model of um, interviewing for these cases is basically all over the country. That being said, you know, like in the middle of freaking uh, whatever, whatever. But a lot of the times, even if you don't have like an actual child advocacy center, but you'll have somebody who's a certified forensic interviewer. It'll, it'll be either somebody in that agency or it'll be whatever the social services agency for children is there. Somebody there will be trained in how to conduct those interviews.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I just, it, it surprised me. Well, it shouldn't though. It, it just surprises me that people are doing shit out of pocket and potentially harming a prosecution. Correct. And, and because they don't know their place, I guess, which I get it. it. Like you yeah. want to be in there and save the day. But just I, I'm sure people have heard this at nauseum in training.
0: Yeah, no. And it's, you know, when, when I teach the new officers, I teach them the do less rule. Like do less. Like you want to go there, you want to do all this stuff, but that's not your job. Like just do less. You know, you don't you don't got to do that. Your job there is to get enough information to notify notify us to respond. That is what your job is. And then we do our job when we get there. So but you guys stop
1: for coffee before you get there, though. Oh, we we right. stop
0: for coffee, three donuts, a cruller. you know. We 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 it's half off at Chipotle, so we go to Chipotle and all that, you know. And then, <laughs> I, eat a... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, then I eat a frog. Like I eat a live frog.
1: <laughs> you get and your dancers to dance for you. Get, yeah, get the
0: dancers dance first, and then
1: eventually we arrive. Yes.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, so but ideally. Ideally, what the first responding officer do will go there, talk with the reporting person, get enough information, if possible, to just make the notification to who they got to notify, and you know, and just just stand by. That that's the best thing they can do. You can talk to the, you, you know, you can say, you know, to the kid, "Hi, I'm officer officer friendly. You know, your your mom was worried about you. I'm here to help," without ever talking about what you're there for. Because, uh- yeah.
1: Well, I was just going to say, J- great mighty one Win- Java, that <laughs> we really should be putting pedos in the Sarlacc pit.
0: Yeah, no, it's not a readily available option lately, because, you know, uh, even sarlacs are getting defended. Uh, yeah, and then Pete is all like, days. oh, protect the Sarlacc, protect the Sarlacc. We can't just feed them anything anymore.
1: By the way, that scene was bullshit in, in the Boba Fett, Boba Fett show. Yeah, I'm a, yeah I know. <laughs>
0: well, I'm like, how the hell are they going to get? I thought it would be just be like, oh, he just, I don't know, after you see the ship fly away and he just kind of
1: blasts out of there and he escapes. But, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, um, but, I did actually like, that. I know a lot of people didn't like that show. I like, I thought it was fine.
0: Well, I mean, I like any new material, really, period. Like, I'm not that picky.
1: I did not like Andor.
0: You didn't like Andor? I thought that was amazing. That show. I, I, I really thought even it, take it out of Star Wars, take it out of whatever. I thought that was just a good show.
1: I think why I didn't like it is it was a little slow. It there were some good elements. Like don't get me wrong. Like I liked, I liked. You know, you saw a little bit more about the ISB. You saw. Mm-hmm. um i i really liked you know the the security guard that did too much kind of thing you know yeah um there were some cool elements to it but it just was it was just so slow and it didn't feel star warsy to me if that yeah well
0: when they they show like the um because you don't think about like yeah it's a rebellion you don't
1: think about financing it See, to me that's the boring part of it yeah they they that was this,
0: this whole this whole behind the scenes how do we how do we pay for all this, which I guess is, yeah, you need to have money to pay for a rebellion, but yeah, the whole kind of process. Yeah. That, that was kind of slow.
1: Yeah. But I'm, if they do a second season, maybe, maybe this was like worth it for the second season. Cause mm-hmm. I want to see how it all ties in together. You know, yeah. like I want to see how it ties into all the rest of the stuff. I mean, we yeah. know how it ties in. Yeah. But we know, but well, fill, we know how how some more ends. gaps. Yeah. yeah. We know how his story ends yeah fill in some more gaps like you mm-hmm. know more into the rebellion and stuff like that but yeah. um we're getting we're getting a little <laughs> off topic here
0: it's a i could talk star wars all the time
1: oh uh, i'm it's a problem it's definitely yeah. a problem we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors sector 99 apparel is a law enforcement owned apparel company specializing in original designs with themes supporting american pride military and law enforcement Sector 99 Apparel also takes custom orders to outfit your team, business, or organization. A portion of all proceeds is donated to Unbroken Warriors, a nonprofit that helps veterans suffering from PTSD. Use code PMPM to save 30% off your order. Give them a like and follow on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, check them out on the link in the podcast description. Now, back to the podcast. So, we we kind of hit some of the stuff on patrol. Is there any other words of wisdom that you'd want to share with patrol guys when they're investigating these types of calls like do's and don'ts
0: yeah just you know scene security and scene safety is always the most important if they're like yeah this happened and the suspect is right there you got to handle your business you know if, if that means suspect's going to be uncomfortable in the back of your car for a little while that's that just is what it is but beyond that just stand by just make get get your information you know, in um, and and notify whoever you got to notify, whoever your agents, whoever in your agency does that. That's just the most thing I can. The biggest issues we have, especially with all these body cameras everyone has now, is untrained people, your untrained officers trying to have these conversations with young children, and they do it in the presence of like their parents. You know, think about mm-hmm. forget about like small children. Think about a teenager. Does a teenager want to talk about who they had? They just had sex with in front of their parents
1: so let me ask you that and, mm-hmm. and i guess this is probably a little more subjective sure um as far as teenagers go would you still and i i know this is based on your your department would you still encourage like teenagers to go to a forensic interview or depending on circumstance it, it depends what do you think about patrol talking to them
0: it general I would say the exact for patrol the exact same thing. Who, what, where, when? Make your notification. That's what you should do. Um, but as far as how do we talk to them? If if it's like intrafamilial, like it's like an, a family member, generally we still try to do a forensic interview. Um, however, the, the how forensic interviews are conducted, they're meant to be non-leading, and sometimes we need to ask a leading question so you know so that format sometimes with older with older kids doesn't work as well because you're expecting it's you're kind of leaving it up to them to get on topic um so we we, we kind of weigh it one way or the other but you know how how, how it's written for where, where i work if it's a family member or it's somehow uh in, intro familial, whatever way you want to call it um we we're still supposed to at least offer it you know, offer the, the them the opportunity to be interviewed by somebody who's not the police. Sometimes it works, but my, ex- my experience with the older kids, with the teenagers, the forensic interview setting is not not the greatest setting. Because like I said, sometimes you just got to ask them direct questions.
1: Well, and, and I'm trying to think, I feel like most of like the sex assaults that were teenagers, usually SROs would probably get a lot of those. I'm trying to think, I'm sure I've had what I'm trying to think. I know I've talked to like some younger adults, yeah, maybe not juveniles, but I I basically, you have to ask those awkward questions. And I guess this kind of leans, leads more into the the investigator part. So let's just say you're a young investigator and, and, you know, you need to talk to these people about Mm -hmm. what happened. I don't want to step on your toes, but the way I would always do it is I was really straightforward. I said, Hey, look, I know you don't know me, and I know this is really awkward to talk about, but we gotta we gotta talk about this, and I need to know what's going on, so we can make sure that, you know we take care of you right and get you the help you need, and make sure whoever did this to you gets what they deserve, kind of thing. But I, I'm very upfront with like this is going to be awkward, kind of thing, and it usually it I found that kind of the way I verbalize it helped. I don't know what your take is on that.
0: Well, no, the the key to any successful interview, doesn't matter who you're talking to is, is rapport. And that's just what you're talking about is you establish rapport before you talk with them. So you, you can't, it doesn't matter if it's a victim, a witness or a suspect without rapport, nobody's going to talk to you. So, um, but yeah, even when I talk with young people, I have a whole, you know, it's too long for this thing, but it's like, it's, it's like, you know, I have like a 15 minute, little thing I go through before we ever start to talk about what I'm there for. Um, you know, but the, the key is to not, to not ask a leading question. You basically say like some, you know, they called, they were worried about you. So, you know, what's going on. And generally they, they just start talking they'll, they'll tell you what's going on. They'll tell you what happened. Um, you listen, you let them talk. A lot of people like to like to interrupt them while they're speaking like no, he's just to let him speak. This is as an investigator, mind you. This is not what an officer should be doing. Um uh,
1: I disagree mind. with you. I, I no. think it. I think it. I think an officer shouldn't. I see that shit all the time where people are ready to spill their guts, and a okay. cop fucking jumps in and says something, and it takes it. It screws them up, and then they end up not telling you what they were going to tell you, kind of thing. Yeah, I think that works on patrol, too, as far as a preliminary investigation. And that doesn't matter what the crime is. Like, just let people fucking yeah. talk for a second. Give them a yeah, minute. No, like, a, I get no. when they're I get excessive rambling. Uh-huh. Sorry, I'm not trying to start an argument. I'm just no, I'm just saying my point is I get excessive rambling. You got to rein that in. But uh-huh. sometimes, you know, the same, I think that the rapport thing works with like any fucking call you go on. I don't care if it's a theft at Walmart. Like, yeah. hey, look you know, I, you, this is what I got called on just so you know, I'm going to ask you kind of a set of questions so I can figure out what's going on. Once people know what's going to happen, it doesn't always work, but people are like, oh, okay. And they yeah. play your game a little bit more instead of you trying to argue with them over facts. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. It, it's, it's, you know, and I hear what you're saying. And there are some times like there are some times where they just, as soon as an officer gets on scene there, they they're ready. Like They're like, I got brave. I called the police. I'm ready to be brave right now. And they just start talking. You know, I I wouldn't tell us an officer to just get them to stop talking. I would wait till they, you know, take a breath and be like, I hear and let them know, say, you know, I hurry. I hear you. I hear what you're saying. And there's going to be a special um, detective or somebody, whatever they call them on their agency, is going to come and speak with you about this. But I'm going to let them know what you said
1: oh and i'm thing. sorry i meant more like in a generalized call like
0: oh okay then you're interrupting
1: i didn't mean i we're on complete the same page as far as that kind of stuff goes like gotcha. if a kid's spilling his guts to me i'm gonna play that the same exact way i'm not oh gonna, yeah i'm just saying like in a general interview for mm-hmm. bullshit crime i think cops and i was guilty of it too and and i i kind of learned a little bit as time yeah. went on just let people talk for a second like You got some time, let them talk. Don't, Mm -hmm. don't interrupt people when they're telling a story, all the stuff you should be learning in a a good interview class, as far Mm -hmm. as, you know, repeating information and and stuff like that.
0: Correct. Okay. We're in agreement on that.
1: Yeah. We're on agree. Sorry. I realized that after I said it, I was like, Oh, you're thinking, you know, the kids stuff, I'm thinking something else. So we agree. Let's, I, I agree with you almighty one.
0: All right. Poorly made. Yep.
1: Poorly made Yep. what it's all about. Mm -hmm. So well, and I'm an asshole, and I can't let things go. So yeah, I'm like, wait, wait a second. Um, you
0: got to go with what works. It's okay.
1: Yeah. It's okay. Be yeah. me is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Should I do? Never mind. I was going to say, should I do more podcasts um, that are complete satire for two and a half hours? No, no, don't do that. No, okay. You should
0: not. That was too much. <laughs>
1: too much. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, we were kind of we talked about it, and then I rudely interrupted you as far as like younger or newer investigators Uh Uh, you have i fucked everything up because i went on my tangent uh we had a good rhythm going there well let's get back into the the newer investigators so what what else would you tell a a young investigator as far as um i mean i guess realistically for the most part you know they're going to be going to the forensics and stuff but if it's like an older kid what kind mm-hmm. of advice on doing these interviews would you have, besides the stuff we we rambled on there for a second? Is
0: be, before you actually sit down to talk, research the person. You should always research to see is this this kid's first time calling us. We we get a lot of repeat customers. Um, you know there, there there's some kids that yeah they put themselves out in these 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 spots and they end up getting themselves in these situations. So you always want to know who you're talking to. You always want to do your research before you talk to anybody. You know, talk to the reporting person first, find out what, what has been conveyed to them. And think about before you start asking questions, be like, what what can I what am I looking for here? What kind of evidence am I thinking about? Because a lot, you know, almost every single case we have now involves some kind of digital something. It involves like either social media that someone talked on their phone or they took pictures on their phone or they whatever. You, you got to think about all these things you want to ask before you even start talking to them about it. Just to make sure you're going to touch on like, okay, so you, there's some guy you met on Instagram yesterday. You obviously want to know their usernames, you want to know where they met, how did they get somewhere. Um, did they use Uber? did they use all these places These are things that we as detectives have to do now, all this digital stuff. Um, but you want to know before you even start speaking, you want to have like some kind of concept of well, what am I asking them about? And um and the entire time you're doing it, just don't come up you're not judging. You know it's an embarrassing thing. And in some of these kids' cases, Um, like I, I, when I teach a case, I use this case example. Um, we had a, a 14 year old girl that disclosed sexual abuse has been going on with her stepfather since she was seven years old and literally talking to her later, the sexual abuse was not the worst part of her entire life. Talking about it, telling about it was because it completely upended her entire family. So it changed everything. Her her, her younger brother suddenly doesn't have a father in the house anymore. Um, The, 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 the chief breadwinner wasn't in the house anymore. A lot of the times it's not the sex abuse. It's the worst part. It's telling about it from these kids perception. That is the worst day of their life is having to tell somebody about it. So you got to respect that. You got to understand that, that this is the hardest thing. This is the worst thing. Obviously you're rescuing, you're rescuing them. You're getting them out of the situation. But to them, it's still the hardest day of their life up to that point.
1: That's that's interesting you put it that way, because I've never actually thought about it that way. Mm -hmm. But it does. It makes a lot of sense, because I I would assume for a lot of these kids, especially when it starts so young, their perception is, is maybe this is a normal thing.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely routine. That's the that's the thing. It's routine. In, In that particular case, it was a child who was she was sexually abused the, the t- touching started at seven by the time her body started to develop at about like 12. So actual like full sexual intercourse uh, was occurring every Saturday and Sunday like clockwork. And it was just routine. That was just, this is what happens every Saturday. it was just routine. So from age seven to 14, you know, she's having to, she's experiencing this. And those are important developmental years. She's like, yeah, that's just what it is. But then suddenly she got tired, she got old enough and realized, I'm done with this. Because the 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 suspect had become very controlling and became very jealous that she had started speaking with, you know, guys her own age, that she wanted to have some independence. And she's like, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of not being able to have control of myself. But then end result is this person he's arrested, and his her, it was her siblings father, her brother doesn't have a a dad there anymore. They had to move out of the house they were living in. They couldn't afford it anymore. Yeah, but that's what you have to respect that. You gotta you can't rush them. You can't judge them. Or else who who what good are you? So that's what I would tell a new investigator. You gotta go into it thinking, don't think like yourself. Think of the perception of what it would be like being this this young kid who's been dealing with this terrible stuff forever. And has now just upended her entire family.
1: That story again probably proves why I couldn't be a full-time investigator in a position. Because I'm ready good, to go find good that good guy you, and kill him.
0: But it's good you know it. I'll I give you props for knowing that.
1: This is kind of off the cuff, but I mean, has there that happened where somebody's gone to that unit and mm-hmm. maybe lost their mind on somebody it, and they're like, it, all right, we gotta we gotta take it out of here?
0: Yeah. It has. Uh, We've, we've had people that have not definitely shouldn't have been there. They, they just, and it's not for everybody. Not everybody can, can do this in a way where end goal is successful prosecution with as little possible re-victimization of the child. You know, it's that, that is our goal. That's why a lot of these guys plead to like nothing in the grand scheme of things that for the purpose of not having to put this kid through a trial. Um, but yeah, we've had people literally just, um, yeah, you know, they come in and just, they, they just reach a melting point. It just keeps coming. And then they get that one case where it's a kid, you know, just like that, something like that terrible thing. You sit there and you're digesting it. And then another one comes in, you're still digesting that one, but then another one just came in. And then now you're having to talk to some other kid. Now you got to digest that while you weren't done digesting the last one. And they just keep coming and comment and each one is worse and whatever and then suddenly there's just something mundane comes in you're like why the hell do i gotta investigate this nonsense like you know it's like and then they they just their cup overflows and they 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 have a psychotic break in the office and it's happened you know i've unfortunately had to witness that a couple times now is it sometimes this you know You know, they go into it thinking, oh, I want to do this, do that. But then when it comes to talking with these kids and having to talk about what they experienced, you know, in a way you kind of experience that trauma with them. Because, um, you know, they're telling you these terrible things that they're experiencing and then it's your job to help them. But at the same time, you're taking on a lot of that stuff yourself and some people can't handle it. And just like you, like, you know, don't think I don't ever feel murderous rage towards some of these these suspects i do well
1: i was going to ask you how how do you what do you think has worked for you to keep your cup from overfilling
0: my i mean don't think it doesn't i trust me i use my vacation time there's time i don't use enough of it but there's times i'm like i need to take a vacation like right now (laughs) Like, no, um but you got to compartmentalize and my end i'm always thinking about that end goal that end game is what do i need to do to get this guy successfully put in prison or I say guy, but I've had both. I've ha- I've had all genders, um, and I say all gender genders because there's not just two anymore. Um,
1: Four hundred eighty-seven.
0: Whatever, all varieties of genders. Um, what do I need to do to successfully have this person prosecuted? Me clocking him in the face with a phone book in the interview room is not going to accomplish anything. If anything, when it, and again, his his case is weaker, they'll just have a good strong case against me. <laughs> so yeah. Um. Yeah. So it just, that's how I, this is my mindset. And I feel like that's the, the best detectives we have just kind of have that same kind of, what do I need to do end results to get this person successfully prosecuted with as least possible um, impact on the victim? Cause we do take, they take some really, if you look at like the laws, especially like in that um, say it's somebody who sexually abuses a child, like every day, they're like every Saturday for a year. That's 52 separate offenses. Obviously, he's looking at like, a, like it's like by the time you're done, like a thousand years in prison, if, if you were to charge each one. But that would be at trial. Do we want to do that or do we want to let him plead a one count? You know, he's looking at like 90 months in prison. But at the same time, this victim doesn't have to go into a room full of people and talk about what happened.
1: See that's yeah. where I think the murderous rage comes into And that, and it's, because frustrating. That, dude it's very shouldn't frustrating. Be, that person shouldn't be among us. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that it, but I I'm trying to see both sides of it and I think I do as far as you know, hey, you're right, you don't want to re-victimize the kid, but Yeah. I no. I have some thoughts but I'm not going to verbalize them because this will be published on many platforms <laughs> yeah. and I don't want that out there. No, um, I know.
0: Yeah, but you see, it's frustrating and it's important. Like I, when people come in, when detectives come into our office and they leave because they can't take it anymore, I praise them for that. It's important. These cases are not something you want to be any, any one of them could potentially be some high profile, something you never know when you're dealing with kids, anything can be high, can be high profile. You know, you don't want to be messing that up. You don't want to mess up your own career over, you know, you, you get all out of sorts on the case. You don't want to mess up something like, yeah, I just up and punch the guy in the interview room. I mean, it's not worth it. If, if you know, if you come in and you see that you can't handle it and you say, I have to go investigate theft from autos or something like that, something more boring, I I'll, I'll I applaud you for taking the, taking the proactive stance on that. Fair enough. Some, yeah, some people can't do it.
1: Let's kind of flip the script to the other side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to kind of build this a little bit, I, I'm always curious about, you know, the the other side of it, you know, being from a a city agency where we would send these kind of cases to the dicks. And if I wanted to know what happened, I'd have to keep up on the case kind of thing. Yeah. So I I've always kind of had this perception. A lot of these may be difficult to prove, especially the ones without physical evidence on the scene, you know, you don't, Mm -hmm. you know, things happened a year ago or six months ago. So you don't have you know, bed sheets or, or whatever, anything to help you with that. or you yeah, know, no And, and that's read. the
0: majority of our cases is, is like that.
1: So I, obviously you interview the suspects and, and I guess we'll, we'll start with that. What are the, key, what's a good key to a good interview with a suspect on, on this? Like how do um, you work through those?
0: Well, you got to have a research foundation and rapport is what you need for any successful suspect interview. And by research, um, it can mean a lot of things. So, you know, research, a good thing to research is always, have they been arrested before? And even if they've been arrested, a lot of people have been arrested, but they've never actually spoken to a detective before. You know, they'd be arrested for like some misdemeanor, da da da. They're not interviewed. Whereas if you have somebody who's got a bunch of gun charges, stolen cars, whatever, they've got practice. You know, they've sat in an office with a detective before. So it's important to, to know like what that history is. But my best thing is always, Google is magic. Like, you know, you you Google somebody's name, you'll find out if they played like football in high school or, um, you know, like little thing, little dabbles of things. Like I, I've had three cases now where it's like guys played football in high school. Maybe they had one good game one time in their junior year of high school. But I swear I was when I was in patrol, I was working security at that game. I saw it. I was there, you know. It's all, part of, it's all part of rapport building and it's all part of, you know, making them feel comfortable talking with you. Um, so research is important. Obviously, also, do they have any prior sex abuse allegations against them somewhere else or there or somewhere else? It's important to know. Then you deal with your foundation. What what are we actually there to talk about? Like when you're there, you're talking about like, you know, there's two sides to every story is the famous one, you know, and there's two sides and. You know, I'm, I don't want to just believe, take what one person says and, and run with it. You know, that's not fair to you. Always make them feel like you're there to serve them. You say, I don't want to be, I want to be fair to you. Or I want to give you the opportunity to tell me what happened. Make it sound like appealing to them. I'm going to give you the opportunity to tell me what happened. And say like, you know, it's sometimes things, you know, it's not as much as things happened or they didn't happen, but sometimes there's, there's a, there's an explanation for it. Sometimes we can just explain something. That's your foundation. And then obviously rapport is just, just like you said, like you would do on every case. You're not going to get anybody to say anything nice to you or any, <laughs> they're not going to confess to you if, if you're in there shitting on them. You know, you, you say, you know, I, I know things happen. You know, I always say like, I don't, no matter who what they did, I always say like, oh, you seem like a nice enough guy. You do X, Y, Z, you know. You took out your mom's garbage yesterday. You seemed nice enough. After about, you know, I usually talk about the moon and the stars and anything except for what we're there to talk about for about like 20, 30 minutes before we talk about it. And, and sex abuse is different. Sex abuse. The reason like people when they think of like, what is the quintessential like cool big city detective? Everybody like thinks about it's the homicide detective. But you can justify killing somebody. Like, I can sit across the table from somebody and explain, like, yeah, I shot him, but this is why. You can say, it's, oh, yeah, it was in self-defense or, you know, if if it wasn't me, it was him or if it was, you know, they can all even say it was business. Wh- whatever they say, that's the, you can justify killing somebody. It's very hard to get somebody to explain why they felt the need to have sex with a child. You know, but that's what our job is to do. So and that takes time. And that that's why rapport is so important, and that's why faking empathy. I say empathy; it doesn't have to be real. I fake empathy all the time, and just like I know you said, sometimes you got to say some stuff that, uh, you know, you don't agree with, or sometimes you just got to say some stuff. Yeah, I, I've disgusted plenty of jurors. Like that, they'll play my recordings of my interviews with these suspects in court, and I've had. I remember having this grandmother in court just disgusted at me. Obviously, I, I don't think a, a nine-year-old is sexy or a nine-year-old was coming on to him, but I need him to confess that something happened. So that's what. and sometimes, like you said, these cases are, are, like you said, are very delayed. There's no evidence. All we have is this kid saying this one thing happened. Without that confession, sometimes we don't have anything else.
1: Well, and that was the thing uh, that I wanted to ask about mm-hmm. is, can you prosecute these things without a confession, without physical evidence and without a confession?
0: Not impossible, but very difficult because there's always, you know, reasonable doubt is, you know, when it comes to a jury, you, you got to be 12 for 12. You know, that's 12 free throws. Throw. You know, you're putting up 12 th- free throws. They all got to sink. If you miss one of them, it's a hung jury. So it's really hard unless you have without a confession, without any kind of physical evidence. If all you have is like you have this kid saying this one thing, and you have like no uninvolved witnesses or nothing to, they're they're extremely difficult to prosecute.
1: And this is just speaking from experience, and I can't I can't even reference what the case was, but I just remember reading something because I always enjoyed reading cases just to see. Mm -hmm. what other people did kind of thing and to learn from it and see what detectives were doing and stuff. But I remember seeing one where it was basically, and I only remember if it was a sex crime, I know it was a major case where it was basically, you know, he said, she said, one person said Mm -hmm. you did this. The other person said no. And they, and they filed for a warrant on it. And I'm of the opinion that's not PC without any, you know, evidence. So not even to the point of reasonable doubt. Like if you have, no evidence to make yeah. it sway one way or the other. I don't, I don't think it's PC. So I was curious on these types of cases, if, you know, you can't get a confession, is there really, is there any hope of prosecuting it? Uh,
0: I won't say it's zero, but I, like, I'll just say it's very difficult. Generally like where I, the, as much as the, I don't agree with some of the process you know, the prosecution decisions, but when it comes to the initial charging decisions, And where where I work, we don't have like a magistrate system. Like we don't have that. We don't have like where people go and kind of swear out a warrant on their own. You know, we don't we don't have that. So it comes down to the prosecutor's office to decide if somebody's going to if they're going to swear out a warrant or not. Um, For the most part, they take that into account. We don't usually we know that if we try this, it's going to be a bear on the victim. Like it's just going to be some defense attorney is going to go up there and just just chew them up. And and then end result is you won't be able to get. A, there's not a high probability of getting a conviction. What's the point of, of putting of revictimizing this person? Uh, but yeah, there's which, like which the- I think
1: is I I not to interrupt you, but I I think that's a good thing to even talk about. For I think a lot of people in law enforcement understand that, and sometimes I think we forget mm-hmm. when we get frustrated about. And it could be any kind of case being dismissed. Is there's always more to it as far as. Is are we going to be able to prosecute this? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm not saying all the time, but I think there are some times where citizens don't understand that either. Is, you know, basically, I, I think the way society works is basically be- believe anything anybody says. Well, that's not how our system is set up and that's not how law enforcement thinks. So I think there's a clash on that end, but nobody, Nobody on the society, like, let's say, you know, whatever allegations come forward and they say, well, it's bullshit. This guy was never charged, Mm -hmm. but there's, you know, we never get to hear that. Well, hey, look, there's no evidence to charge him or we don't want to re-victimize this, you know, little girl. And we know we're basically we're sending her out there to get, you know, embarrassed on the stand. Like, why would Mm -hmm. we do that kind of thing? I don't think people take that into consideration.
0: Yeah. And a lot of like what I've what I've learned, especially as a detective, you sit down and have these intimate conversations with the prosecutors as a detective and you learn about like, you know, they have rules of ethics that they have to abide by. And one of them is you can't just sign up an arrest warrant on somebody without having a high probability that you actually believe you could get a conviction at trial. Like you can't just be like, oh, let's just do an arrest warrant just because just to, to inconvenience them for a day. You know, because that there's a rule, there's ethics rules. You can't if you don't actually think you have a legal standing to be able to get a prosecution at trial, you can't sign an arrest warrant for it. And a lot of people don't understand that. And I deal with that a lot in these particular cases. Like I sit down and I sit eye to eye with these kids and I talk with them and I believe them and I know this happened. But. Can we convince 12 other people this happened? It's. And, you know, I'll sit there and I'll say, no, you know, I, I don't think we can, you know, it's just, and is it worth putting this child through all of this when there there is just a prosecution is not going to happen? You know, if, if you don't get to sit down and have those conversations, you don't realize you just get frustrated with it, you know, because sometimes it don't make sense. I don't want to give, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and advocate for the prosecutors and, and and all that. Um, sometimes there are reasons I, I don't agree with but there's sometimes that yeah it's just you got to think there's a victim attached to this this is not like somebody shoplifting from a walmart or somebody de- defaced a building there's a victim associated with this um and everything you choose to do how you pursue it it's going to affect them yeah i could go on all day about that
1: no i and you're right too yeah. like i'm actually in this this is going to come there's a podcast that's not recorded yet but i'm planning to do recording like a week or so so it'll It'll be down the line, but part of the subject matter with it, um, and we'll be talking to our good friend, Professor Scotch, is we're going to talk mm-hmm. about like thoughtless policing. And okay. what I mean by that is, and to give a little foreshadowing on that, is I think sometimes people will just like, and, and I can't believe this happens, but I fucking know it does, is somebody will get a call and they'll believe everything that that reporting party says and they'll swear out a warrant or do a warrant, whatever you do in your jurisdiction, Mm-hmm. Without any follow up, without trying to talk to the suspect, without trying to gather evidence, yeah, and it's mind boggling to me that people do that shit. And then the other part of that too is, depending on where you work, that a judge signs off of it, that a DA signed off, like your supervisor, and it's like that's not PC. Like one person's word is not PC, and it Indeed. just mind—it's mind boggling to me. Yeah, that you, really, out on yeah that. you really, don't.
0: Yeah, you really got to have more. Like I can understand. You know, like back in patrol, we'd have these precursory arrests for domestic violence. And it's basically like, you know, some somebody just a mere allegation of domestic violence, somebody's getting arrested. And as a detective, now that just dumbfounds me. <laughs> like how you know, because I work hard to get my probable cause. I, I make sure that stuff is like solid. But back in the day, you used to just be able to like okay, oh, he threw a shoe at me. You yeah, yeah oh, it's that's not PC. Ma- yeah. Well, and so uh,
1: but it's I don't an want to go... allegation
0: of domestic violence. We used to have, like, that's literally what they expected of us. once upon a time. But now I'm looking at like, in hindsight, looking back at it, like, God, it's just, we
1: used to make these cases on nothing. Yeah, um, it's, but... that's, I think something, I don't know. I, I can't speak to what happened back in the day, but like, I know when I was a new rookie, they, mm-hmm. at least in Colorado, they have it so beat into you as far as these DVs, you have to make an arrest or mm-hmm you know, you have to determine primary aggressor and stuff. And as I got on like a little bit longer, I started to kind of, it clicked. I was like, that's not PC, you know, just because she said that happened or, you know, like there's been DVs where I've had injuries, but she couldn't tell me how she was injured or how the guy injured her or what she told me was totally inconsistent with how she's injured. I'm not taking somebody's freedom away for that. And like people, I know in a lot of places, don't necessarily have those mandatory arrests for DVs, but a lot of them do. Mm -hmm. And I think young cops kind of get hung up on that. Like, Ooh, it's a DV. I have, I've got to make an arrest. And I always look, I understand domestics are important and I'm I'm sure we'll do a podcast on domestic stuff down the line, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, you're still taking someone's freedom away and people lie to you. People lie to you all the time. Why is this not different? Like you have, you can't just arrest people based on, somebody else's statement without actually looking into it you know yeah. um but that we're i could go on a tangent and i no, would. but that
0: that's an interesting topic because in a lot of cases that's just what they want us to do they do they don't want you to have you know you're a human being but they don't want you to have an opinion they just kind of want you to be a robot when you're there
1: i think and hopefully i'm right about this i think maybe that's one good thing about things that have changed in policing as far as like that was for the most part besides dvs and it and it admittedly it did get better towards the end of my career where you know supervisors weren't just approving anything like they were like hey did you actually do follow-up on this did you try to talk to the suspect you know because mm-hmm. how fucked up is it to just oh she told me he did it all right i'm gonna fucking do a warrant for this dude and make no attempt to contact him at all you know mm-hmm. like that's that's wrong you'd want that done for you you know mm-hmm. you might piss somebody off and you're you know Maybe you're, you know, your wife is having an argument or whatever. We could go on rant for hours about that shit, but just the thoughtless policing when it comes to like just fucking swearing out warrants, it drives me insane. Mm -hmm. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but let me, before we move on to the officer of the podcast and some of my, Mm we're going to tone it down a little bit. Okay. Uh, Is there anything else about the subject of these child abuse type calls and sex assaults and stuff that you would want? The millions of listeners to know to help them in their their journey as to be an efficient law enforcement officer.
0: Yes. So the biggest one, there is no right or wrong way for a victim of sex of child sex abuse to act. Like some don't expect them to all be balled up in a corner in the fetal position when when you get there, because they get a lot of there's others be like, oh, she's saying that this X Y Z happened, but she's acting fine. She's over there laughing. There is no right or wrong way to act. And a lot of people don't realize how, you know, and I, like when I teach a class, the, I have, I have a slide I do. And it says, um, like it says, who pick out the, the sex offender. Like I put 15 pictures of people up there It says, pick out which one is, they're all different races, genders, you know, socioeconomics, they're all different. Um, you know, some are from, some are. You know, Hispanics, some are from wh- wherever they're from. There's a whole mishmash of people. And they're obviously the answer is they're all that's what all of them are. And they're all from I got teachers up there, men, women, Hispanics, white people, black people. This is Huts. everybody. And, and a lot of people give like, oh, well, no, he seems like he's a basketball coach. He seems like a good guy. And she's like this kid who keeps running away from home you got to start by believing at some point and then until other until proven otherwise, this is what the best advice I would get. There's no right or wrong way to, for them to act and just start by believing them. You know, it, it can always come out later. They're not telling the truth, but just go into that, with that perception. What they're saying is likely the truth. Cause when you look at the numbers, one in four, one in four girls will be the victim of sexual abuse before they turn 18. That's a lot of people. Holy shit. And one in five boys will be the victim of sexual abuse before they turn 18. And 90% of those go unreported. So just because somebody's acting in a certain way, making allegations against a certain person doesn't mean it's not true. That'd be the biggest thing I'd say. We had a lot of cases and a lot of first responding officers. We can tell, and the body cameras make it so much worse. We can just tell they don't believe these kids. And then later on, it turns out it was real. You yeah. know, it's a lot of egg on their face. And uh, yes, yeah, so that would be my biggest piece of advice for that. Just go into it with the perception of what they're saying likely happened until proven
1: otherwise. I'm a little saddened that we had to say that or that yeah. you had to say that, but I, I think it's good advice. And I think. um It's weird to me. And this is me just thinking out loud, like I, I think. I don't know. We could talk about adults, and sometimes, sometimes, a you know these people anyway. Or Mm -hmm. I feel like as adults, you can kind of perceive that. But it's it's weird that guys and gals. I don't know. I'm not trying to shit on anybody, but it's just weird that people wouldn't think like, oh, they're little kids. They don't know. They don't understand what they experienced, kind of thing. Yeah. You know, it's surprising that people would be like, ah, he's he's fine.
0: (laughs) What the fuck? And they do, And, and and it's it's. You know, I've seen it's just deplorable uh, uh, sometimes. they just, you know, officers are human beings too. They go in, they're like, this guy did this? No, he's, he's. I, I had one perfect example. It was um, the, the place I was at. It was the, the teacher of the year for the, all of the teachers in all of the, the entire city. It was the teacher of the year. And, um, you know, and turned out he was having a sexual relationship with with like an eight-year-old boy. Jesus. Yeah. And people will be like, no, but he's a coach. He does all these great things. He does all these and there you go. And you see, this is why you couldn't do the job. No, no. No. (laughs) But you see, it's it's, um, you know, people went in with that perception. Like him? He's such a good guy and this kid is not acting this kid's like not acting like he's a victim or anything. It was absolutely true. I sat down and, you know, I sat down and talked with this guy. You know, just like I said, research, foundation, rapport. He told me everything. In, in turn, you know, they didn't believe this kid. They And that's what you got to start by believing. When you go into this situation, just start thinking that, yeah, it's it's very, you know, it's possible this happened. It's likely this happened. And that's how you treat that person. That's how you treat that kid. Walk in, give the perception like you're there to help them. You believe something happened um, until, you know, otherwise
1: that's 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 the best piece of advice I can have. I don't, the, I, was say, I don't I don't want to defend people doing shitty police work necessarily uh-huh. but I think just thinking about this as, as you're talking and trying to compute this and make this make sense in my head is mm-hmm. I think a lot of times with patrol especially you know me knowing you know where you work and knowing where I work you get kind of beaten down with calls all day. Mm -hmm. And I think you, sometimes you forget what you're doing. I I think it's just kind of like, maybe like a pinch yourself moment kind of time is there are calls where it may be appropriate to jump in people's shit kind of thing, or it may be appropriate to, but when it comes to stuff with, especially kids and like these sex assaults and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. especially, and i shouldn't have to say this but especially the way things are now just do a good investigation let the chips fall where they may and and remember you know we're supposed to be impartial so you may go into something believing somebody's totally full of shit mm-hmm. don't start there like if once you start there and you've made that decision yeah. without even really doing any investigation yeah you're hampering you're hampering your work you know you may when you get there based on, you know, maybe the first couple of minutes talking to these people, you know, this is fucking bullshit. But mm-hmm. that's not you're not there to make that determination within five minutes. And if you are, right. you're you're hurting yourself down the line. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we're saying the same thing. Yeah. And, and when it comes to it, you ain't going to win. I'm just <laughs> if you go in there with the with the attitude and the perception. And just like you're saying, I know I I worked in a part of where I worked in the city, a very high volume High pressure, lots of domestic, lots of whatever. It was a very residential. You're going from call to call to call to call to call. And then you get to this. Where you really, this is your time to actually be the, you know, to do what your function is. You know, not that those other calls aren't important, but this is a big, you know, you got to pump the brakes a little bit on this one. But this is not, you got to, you know, and, and, you know, as a detective coming later. You know, there's times I've had to sit with some of these kids and apologize. You know, they're upset and it's not because they were sexually abused. They're apologized because how the officer treated them after they disclosed what happened. Because I don't know if whether the officer was having a bad day or maybe that officer has prior experience with this kid. Maybe he's a badass kid. You know, badass kids get sexually abused, too. Um, Yeah, but the, the, the first interaction that that child's going to have with law enforcement is crucial to to what's going to happen from that point forward if they have a bad first interaction with that responding officer it can Im- impact everything you can get them to be like you know what never mind it's better i'll just keep getting sexually abused rather than have to get put through this and i've had those conversations because we've had kids who have had like three or four cases and finally by the fourth time they're they're just fed up with being sexually abused and they'll be like yeah the police came but they they were shitting on me the whole time they were there and then, All right, so I I feel like we've been
1: really shitting on patrol. No, uh, and it's
0: not because I no, I have seen. I
1: was gonna ask though. Yeah. Is, okay, and I think you know where I was going with this. I yeah. I would hope that's like not that's the minority. It is not the majority.
0: You're correct because you asked me what would be the best advice or what have I seen as faults. Those are the biggest faults. I have seen lots of great work. I have seen, and um, luck, you know, I in my position as being. When it came to being, I'm, I'm, a, I'm considered like a highest rank of detective now. And with that, I get the ability to send like uh, commendations out to people. And um, so, and I do, if officers do great work, they do exact. they do what they're supposed to do. You know, they actually make my job easier when they get there They make the victim feel like I made the right decision telling somebody today. I recognize them for that. And there's more, I see more good than bad. I don't want you to think I'm shitting on patrol. I see more good than bad, and partially it's because I've I've been teaching this at the academy so long that almost everybody, uh, all the, at least all the younger folks have had my class. It's my it's not just mine. Me and my partner teach this class. Um, yeah, and I always tell them in the class, I'm like, you mess up, I'm going to find you. I'm going to see you, and I'm going to know I taught you better. But you know, every once in a while, you get an officer's got a bad day. But yeah, yeah, no, I see, I definitely see more good than bad. And I I think at this day and age, I think where policing has caught up with the times where, you know, we, we understand there's that mental, um, you know, it's not just, okay, whatever you say, first name, last name, here's your report numbers. And they kind of leave (laughs) and it's kind of, yeah. Yeah. I got more important stuff to do. I think, I think we've stopped that now we acknowledge that people are victims and that these things actually have an impact on them. Yes. So, no, for those in patrol, I love you. Patrol is the backbone of any police department. There it is. Yes. Jabba <laughs> praises you. <laughs> Jabba could be nowhere without all of his minions. Um, so, that ship right, doesn't well, sail itself.
1: Yeah. Damn Skywalker taking yeah. out of it. But anyway, <laughs> let's uh, let's do the officer of the podcast sure. and then we'll, uh, we'll get into some of the dumb stuff here. So, as you guys know, you can nominate your buddies that are doing exceptional work at poorly made police memes at gmail.com, or you can DM me. I prefer the emails, but beggars can't be choosers, I guess. And uh, if they're your buddies that you nominate are the winner, they will get a patch officer of the podcast patch, which is specially made by my good buddies over at ghost patch and uh, look for more stuff that we've got coming out. The officer, again, is Officer Blankety Blank. This is uh, Officer Blankety Blank. He is a part-time officer with the Blankety Blank Police Department. His full-time job is in Blankety Blanks as a firefighter. He has been with our city for ages. He worked worked full-time here in the early 2000s. And as a part-time officer, he's put in more work than anyone could expect. He puts in more hours than any person could be expected. Uh, we had an officer with medical issues out for over 18 months, and Blankety was all but full time, and he'd work 24-hour shift, and then come back and work uh, two 12-hour shifts for us back to back with no complaints. Yeah. Through his health, <laughs> through his own health issues, he continues to help out. He is uh, just solid. Last minute, we need anyone to come for an hour or 12. He steps right in and helps out. Honestly, without him stepping up the way he does, I don't know how we could get people off for vacations and in-depth investigations. So, Officer Blankety Blank, you have won a patch, and we'll send one out. Does he deserve a airhorn, T-Rex, or a hand clap? Hmm. I mean, I
0: mean, give him a T-Rex. I think that's a good T-Rex one. I
1: don't want oh, go. you. <laughs> <laughs> You know, this is all your fault because I didn't even think of Job of the Hut until you brought it up, and here we go. Well, you You brought this—you brought this upon yourself, good sir. Jeez, I don't know. Just,
0: I know now. That's gonna be my moniker. Just be Job of the Hut in a giant fedora with a feather in it.
1: All right. (laughs) So good, sir. Yeah. What is the dumbest thing you ever did as a rookie? Oh, God.
0: See, I don't even know where to pick from. Like, I always hear you ask people this question. God, it's so much. Uh, Okay. Well, I can think of like the one, I I think we'll go with this one because it's not like um, agency specific. Um, So when I was in FTO and I remember this is like, it's like my first or second traffic stop. You know, I'm all we're, we're cruising in the Crown Vic, and I'm all excited. I'm like, okay, here's. Wait, my wait, moment. wait, wait, wait a second. Oh.
1: What? What did you just say?
0: Oh, we're cruising in the say- Crown Vic. There it is. Man. Go on. Okay, so I'm like, oh, this, is my, you know, feeling cool. Got my whole thing set up. Gonna go out. You know, close the door correctly. Walk up, Do my my approach and say, you know, officer. da 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 da. da you know, do that whole thing. So I do that. I walk up. Everything's fine. You know, we're walking back. You know, I just stand by in the vehicle. I'll be well, process your information. All that junk. Walk right on back. Driver doors closed is, is locked. Uh yell over to my FTO. Uh hey, is, is your door locked? No. Yeah. So all this stuff. So excited to pull him over. Yeah, I got out. I locked the doors to the car while it was running. I didn't learn at that point. Now, after that point, I learned always roll your windows down on a traffic stop. But yeah, so I uh, went up, went, did all my swagger and everything, was feeling all good about myself. Then immediately in the middle of the traffic stop, realized that I had locked the keys in the car with the car running. Uh, that was pretty embarrassing. Because uh, then I'm like, well, what do I do with this person? We have stopped now. Yeah, that was very embarrassing. Um, Yeah. So I know that's that's kind of like, that's kind of uh, it's not that crazy of a dumb thing to do in a rookie, but I have some other stuff. But to me, that was always real embarrassing. That was like my time to shine. Like this is my moment, and I just fucked it all up.
1: It happens to the best of us, man. Yes, I I feel that. Uh-huh. See, but then you learn if all the keys cars are keyed the same to make yourself a key. And well, then- that's what they were not all keyed the
0: same, but we would often lose. The, you had to have your own set of keys for the Crown Vic. Or you could the car would just stay parked. It was that kind of craziness. We didn't have take homes or anything. We had we had communal cars. Um, so basically, if you ever got a car for the first time, you had to make sure you go to the one place we all knew, and the guy didn't ask any questions, and he would just print the keys to a police car. <laughs> so we were all like janitors at one point. We all had like we had like a, a, a you, you'd have loved it. We all had like the keys to like seventy Crown Vicks.
1: Like <laughs> glorious. I may yeah. have or may not have a key to a crown Vic that I don't own hanging up uh, in my dungeon. Allegedly. Yes.
0: Yeah. So we, we all had, we had all the many keys to all the many crown Vicks. Uh, yeah. So the, the, well, that's my embarrassing Okay. Hold story. on a
1: second. We we're I'm sure we'll talk about crown Vic some more in a second, but uh-huh. we do need to have a little update on the uh, the podcast real quick and this may require some uh some music from sarah mclaughlin okay um let me get that queued up here we might have to listen to the uh the ad here that is i need some tissues you might yeah okay i'm ready go ahead get matched with an expert who understands your situation (laughs) i got my taxes done by the way that was nice Well, that's good you're you're Um, ahead of me god i hate taxes okay so before i play the music um this is just uh, a memorandum I don't know if that's how you're supposed to say that. I'm pretty sure. Is it a memoriam? I don't know. Something. Big words. Big words I don't understand. I can't read, dude. Leave me alone. But one of the last Crown in my agency, was uh, involved in a wreck and um, is no longer with us. So let's have a moment. Spend all your time waiting. You're my boy, Blue! Okay. (laughs) Uh, On to more pressing matters. I'm going to change this question. I I was asking people what is something they wish they knew uh, as a young man that they know now. But I want to change that to kind of fit more with law enforcement. Mm -hmm. Is there something that you learned out of FTO, out of the academy that you wish you would have learned in the academy or in, in FTO,
0: yeah, it's just it, the the when you're out there, it might feel like um, the world is depending on you, and that you, whatever you do is super duper. It's not saying your job's not important, but don't take yourself so damn seriously. That's my problem. Like when you're out there, like God, I got to do this right. If I fuck it up, so, X Y Z. You're you're just don't take yourself. Don't put that all on yourself. There's enough pressure from other places. don't be messing with yourself. Um, you know what I mean <laughs> but don't be putting it... <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't be putting any extra pressure on yourself. It's just because you go out you go out and like everything you mess up, you're like, oh God, this just I just ruined everything when you know I, that's dropped the ball the, the they're gonna overthrow the city. Um, I just, the, the government's done, you know, justice will never be served for these people. Um, just don't, don't take yourself too seriously. You just, um, and I, I will say like one thing, yeah, it's police related because it's where you make your money and be, be, have a plan. Don't just spend all your money on bullshit. I did, nothing is worse than going when I go to the academy to teach and seeing all the nice new cars in the parking lot. Like they get their first paycheck and they immediately put a down payment on a car. They can't afford to the get gas. They can't put in it. And just this one thing they never taught us is, you know, especially when it's like your first adult job is keep, you know, be responsible with that stuff. Don't, don't, don't be wasting money on crap. You don't need.
1: Uh, I bought a car in the,
0: <laughs> exactly. No,
1: but they told this, us that They specifically were like, don't buy a car
0: they said don't buy a car don't
1: buy a car a... until you're out at fto first or, fucking thing you, know, you did probation be like, be was like, what first. You... i was like mid academy and i was like i fucking need a car i didn't go too crazy but uh... yeah
0: people are like oh yeah what are you gonna do drive that pos honda accord that gets you to work every day on time and is reliable what are you doing driving that thing you need to get yourself that mustang or that challenger like oh that makes sense yeah, I should have that Mustang or that Challenger because that's the responsible thing to do.
1: Uh, my one of my favorite FTOs, and he was fucking—he was a tough FTO, and he's a sergeant now. I probably to this day, he drove the same car when I was with him, and at that time, not with him, with him, not that way. As when he was training me, he hey, drove like <laughs> he drove a uh, a Toyota Tourcel or something like that from like the eighties. Uh-huh. And he's still driving that car. Cause it's like, it gets good gas mileage. I own it. It gets me to, and yeah, front and back. Right. hmm There and back, not front and back. It's something else. But I,
0: I believe you're supposed to do back to or front, front to back.
1: Yeah. Whatever, man. Spicy. I think if you like it spicy back to front, just saying, <laughs> <laughs> um, what's the proudest moment of your career? Oh,
0: God. You know, it used to be in patrol, but it is definitely, um, yeah, no, it is, I had um, a, a, a case where it was, it was very, you talk about like delayed disclosure, I'm talking like a decade, it was a kid who actually, when he was 13, entered into a sexual relationship with his teacher, with a female teacher. You did know, you
1: give it, that boy the luckiest? Boy the I know. See, award? You see,
0: there it is. There it is. Okay. I know the perception is, you know, oh, man, I didn't have a teacher like that in middle school, you know, but, you know, we always say, well, flip the script, you know, that that's imagine that's a teacher and your 13 year old daughter.
1: Oh, then again. it's not OK. Clearly. Not. yeah. Then
0: it's not OK. Then we cue murderous rage, you know. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. And then just, you know, this kid didn't report it until he was twenty five. And he, when he was 13, like I would, it was investigated. Like it came up when he was 13, but he didn't cooperate, but he was interviewed. So I was able to see the recorded interview of this kid when he was 13. And he was like, you would have thought he was like, I don't know who he was. Like he should be narrating like a documentary or something. He spoke so articulately. He was way beyond 13. He was very intelligent. He was an artist. He was a writer. He wrote poetry, um, which is probably, you know, his advance, how he acted probably is, you know, I don't want to say it's any part of that is his fault, but it probably is why she dug him so much as an adult, because he definitely acted older than he was. Um, but he began a relationship with her, which continued from the age of 13 to 19. He met, and um, by the time he was 25, he realized he had missed out on his entire childhood. He never had healthy relationships. He never graduated high school. He ended up an alcoholic and a drug addict, and she was fine. And then years later, he, um, what, what, it, how I got is he ended up just emailing the principal. She was still teaching years later. He just sent out on blast. He got drunk one day and sent an email out on blast, being like, I "Just want to let you know, you have this lady working for you." Um, she started having sex with me when I was in middle school. Um, uh, because that kid, when he grew up, it was complete. He was completely untreated, and it had just devastated his life. Like he had just, he was just a mess. He went from being this really articulate, intelligent, um, would, like the aspirations he had were endless. Like he could have really been some something great. He still could. I mean, he's not that old. Not he's dead now. Um, but yeah, he, all those all those years later, I still managed to put a case together. She still had to acknowledge what she did was wrong. He still got, was able to get some closure. Um, you know, at a time, nobody believed him. At one point, like I said, start by believing. You got to start by believing. Um, and that was re- I was just really proud to see how that ended. Did she get that, any time? You know, She did, but it was hardly. But I will say, you know, at some point, like she got, like, you know, she she um she can. It was a she um pled guilty to a felony. Um, so she's a registered sex offender. You can't take that, you know. You can't undo that. You can't unbell that ring that bell. She'll never teach again. Um, and she ended up serving like six months. And you know, it's nothing in the grand scheme of things, but. It, it just, it gave this kid a chance to see that somebody believed him. Somebody heard him even after all these years. And as I as people give like somehow for some reason, give women um, a pass on some of these things. Cause just like you said, you know, the the joke, like, Oh, did you give him luckiest kid in, of the year award? Nice. Um, nice. Yeah, exactly. And that's the, I was going
1: to ask you, what do you, th- you know, that scene from South park, like oh, I just yeah. die laugh i don't care how often i see it i will fucking no, it, crack up laughing because it's funny but we never like i guess as a guy and yeah. just with guy brain like if i was like 14 years old and you know a teacher wanted to do whatever i'd be like this is fucking the greatest thing that's ever happened but you don't think about it emotionally like as an yeah em- you
0: don't think about it as like you get older your
1: brain being fucked up
0: yeah you know? and you don't realize like man i didn't i was in a relationship with this lady who I never got to have actual relationships with other girls, like my own age. Like I I missed out on that entire part of my life (laughs) and it didn't help that, you know, he got this very uh, sense of elitism because he was in this relationship with adults. So he was shitting on the, on his teachers, you know, who you should be like treating with some regard that those are your teachers, but he's like, I'm basically on the same level with them. So he got kicked out of all these schools, never graduated high school. Um, yeah, but just years later, I managed to, to somehow with what I had, you know, piece the case together. And that was that, um, so that, that's my, that's my proudest moment.
1: This is just an observation and Uh (laughs) this is probably just me being angry at the world, but I I feel frequently, um, teachers and I'm, I'm not saying all teachers are bad, right? Mm -hmm not a tab. I'm not a tab. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I feel like there's a lot of these cases with teachers, fucking kids. And it's not like it's in the news for a minute. And then it kind of goes away. But could you imagine if there was all these cases with like cops and it's happened? Like, I know there's been cops that get caught with child pornography and and crazy shit. Like I, I, I know Mm -hmm. it's happened. Yeah. I've, I've
0: I've locked them up too. We didn't even touch on that. Yeah. Yeah,
1: It it just but it my perception is like teachers are kind of involved in this at a pretty I don't want to say like a super high rate, but maybe higher than normal professions. I mean, what's your take on that? Your professional I
0: will say the same thing. I'll say the same thing about child sex abuse is I will say um police excessive force. If they're both don't happen that often, like this terrible uses these terrible incidents with the police. Do not happen that often, and that is why they make so much news. And I'll say the same thing about teachers having sex with with their students. They don't happen that often. They happen, but not very often, and that's why. So I I, I look at them both in the same kind of light. That you know, police are not out here just beating the shit out of people. Like what happened in in uh freaking uh Memphis is, is not an example of policing. That is an exception. It's a terrible exception to policing.
1: That was like they, watching gang violence.
0: That that to me, the, the I the, bury them wherever. I don't fucking care what you, they do with those guys. Hell of them. But that's an exception. That's why it makes the news. In the same way, like, you know, child, you know, when the, the teachers are having sex, with it's rare. It doesn't happen all the time. But when it does, it's very publicized. So I kind of look at it in the same way. You got to be fair to both.
1: The next question I have on here, which apparently people like, so we're going to keep it going. All right. Is, do you have any alien or extraterrestrial type (sighs) events or stories or theories that you'd want to tell the millions about? You know, I thought I did one time.
0: And this is, this is, and it was creepy as shit. Like, I remember I was in patrol and I got a call to this like vacant building. They they all, I can't even remember where I went there. It was for something. I don't even remember where I was in this particular place, but anyway, no no utilities on, and the lights are are out, um, so we're just on flashlights, and it's nighttime. It's 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 a little creepy. Like I'll start with that. It's creepy. And then um, I'm there with somebody else. I I can't remember. And then um, you know we hear banging, we hear movement in like this this like boiler room area. So we're already off to a great start. So you know we say the whole thing like. Oh, we just this is noise from a boiler, boiler room in an empty building. Why, why are we even doing this? But you know, we, we drive on. So I'm down there, just in classic movies style. We're panning across the room with our flashlights. The beam of our lights are going, and then we come right up, and there is this crazy ass bald lady with like hisses at us like a vampire. What? Like. Yeah, I'm like it what? was just like that. And I remember to this day, I'm just sitting here, I'm like we're panning across the room and we it and just like she goes, you know, it's like we're like what the f-? and it, it was just this crazy lady just was in the basement of this bacon building in the boiler room. Um, yeah. you know, and I'm like, shit, this is like one of those, like where where are we? Um what the fuck? Yeah, it was like to this day I remember that. I'm like and the guy, the officer I was with, I'm like, okay, we're from this point forward. If we hear a noise from a boiler room, we're just going to let that noise be a noise. It In it, the end result, you know, it, in this case, it ended up being like a trip to the hospital or something. But yeah, it, it just, but as far as like actual, I, I, I don't think so. I don't think I have any actual ghosts. I have some, I have that. That was like the creepiest thing I've seen.
1: I I actually skipped a question. I got a little ahead of myself. That'll happen. That will happen. I'm getting a little excited. But would you want your kids to be cops?
0: I don't think so. Like if they wanted to say that one of them wanted to. You know, if that's really what they wanted to do. I guess I wouldn't discourage them from it. If, If that's what they wanted to do. And if they understood what they were getting into. But I'm not like. I don't have any hopes or dreams or ambitions of them following in my footsteps. Like it's, it's how, with how bad the job has gotten now, like with, with the, with how it's just what it would have turned into. I can only imagine in like, uh, you know, in 20 years, how bad it's going to be.
1: Ugh. It's going to be it, like,
0: we're going to be in like demolition man kind of policing.
1: I have uh, I've I've heard about that movie. And I've actually yet to watch it. That's oh my on my goodness. list. It's there. I know. There. I know. Yeah, I know. It's. I've heard so many great things about the parallels.
0: Yes, we're 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 there. We're getting there. <laughs> just
1: and I know I'm gonna have the boomers getting into my. You haven't seen Demolition Man? Sorry, I'm too busy watching cartoons about Star no, Wars. Fuck it's off. not
0: even just the um the uh the you know just the the handcuffing of police. But it's like that they're all scared of germs. Like they don't like give high fives or anything because of the germs. Is we're literally we're, we're we're Is there. Is that now. a
1: thing? Is that yeah, a I
0: hear we're scared of germs now. Yeah, so um, yeah, we're there. Welcome. <laughs> I just no, you just you know, when, when you got us some free time, it's some of Stallone's best work.
1: Okay, I'll check it out for sure. Mm-hmm. Good sir, and your humble opinion almighty one what is the best patrol car of all time
0: well it's the crown Vic. it's no doubt yeah my, i love my, it uh, when
1: people agree with me it makes me and happy. My, my
0: first um probably three years in patrol was all was it was all in crown vicks i even got to drive like a brand spring and new one and probably like oh i think it was oh, like nice. brand new Maybe May it was 08, maybe was oh seven. It was something. It was like brand new, and it had that lower profile light bar on it, and it didn't have like the steering wheel was still all there.
1: <laughs>
0: that you, that you was the exactly one thing about.
1: The, oh yeah, that was the one thing about Crown Vicks is like the fucking graveyard guys or the the <laughs> it was probably the morning guys would fucking chew. I don't know how the chunks were missing out of it. Like they're yeah, bite the marks. steering wheel like, Who the
0: pieces missing from it. Like however that happened. No, the whole steering wheel was there still. It was it was that new. It still had a steering wheel that was completely intact. You know. In, in, um, you know and it had like the the crime scene tape you'd use as a as a cup holder. And um <laughs> I, I never know. thought oh, of
1: that. That's a good idea.
0: Yeah, well, that's what we used to have. We used to have the, the roll of crime scene tape would be the cup holder because there's no cup holders and there's no center console. Um, no, but yeah, Crown Vic by far, it was the fastest car we had. You know, and it, it just, they, they could barely be holding together, but you, you'd, you, it'd still start, generally. Usually it'd start. Um, yeah, no, it, it, it was all reliable. I still was kind of hoping Ford would bring them back, but I guess now with all the electric stuff, they're not going to
1: I I have a lot of concerns about this electric stuff going forward. Um, we'll yeah, see how I don't that's feel going about it. I I don't either. Like I, if it, you know what? Here's the thing. Like if it works and it's more efficient, okay, cool. Um, I like to take road trips. Yeah, you know, like, how, am I going to be able to get to point A to point B? Are there going to be stations to get? I don't know. I think I don't know that the infrastructure is there. For electric cars like for everybody and well, the then cost i don't want to sit, so much
0: like i don't want to sit for 30 minutes to charge my car
1: yeah exactly you get gas it's five minutes you're out of there you know yeah
0: yeah 30 minutes is well like my 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 unmarked i drive now is a it's a ford escape hybrid you know it's a it's a hybrid so it still it still takes gas but even that, I'm, I'm i have questions about it because it has all these things that are telling me that the battery's charging and when it's charging. And when I drive if it's when I drive and it doesn't and it's under 35 miles an hour, it makes a sound like it's like a from the Jetsons. Really? Yeah, it like makes a noise, like literally like the Jetsons. I don't know huh. if it's like although I pre, you know I nearly had in a traffic stop my ass taken off by a by a Prius because I didn't hear it coming. So I don't know if that's why.
1: Mm, yeah, I know they're a lot, they are very quiet, or they're yeah. supposed to be quiet. I don't know. Like, again, I'm not like one of those people like, oh, we can't. I'm I'm all good with fucking saving Mother Earth. But are we? Yeah. Is it actually makes sense? You know, because here's the other thing is if we're plugging it in, where the fuck do you think the electricity is coming from? Dipshit.
0: Yeah, that's true. A coal plant. And either <laughs> like, way, it should not prevent bringing back the Crown Vic.
1: Exactly. Bring it back, man. Bring I mean, it we, back. We, the people want it. The people have spoken and they want the fucking Crown Vic. I mean,
0: we don't even need a new design or anything. We we don't need it. Just bring what what it was is fine.
1: Yeah, that's what yeah. we want.
0: Yeah. So, anyways, yeah. So the Crown Vic it is. That's there. There was no better scout car.
1: Here's the moment of truth. Um, Nobody cares about investigations. Uh-huh. No one cares about <laughs> anything that we've said prior to this point. Yeah. Here's what they want to know: Do detectives shit their pants? Well, I would t- <laughs> well, I tell
0: you, most likely, yes. I can't think of a detective time. I can tell you about. <laughs> I, I remember. I don't think I've ever actually, not that I can think of, but I have. I can remember the closest call I ever had, and I still get sweats thinking about it. Is I got a when I was still in patrol, I got a call for like it was like a, just a normal domestic, whatever, and it was uh, you know like, and somebody supposedly had an ear injury. That's all I knew was the ear injury. I'm like, How hard can that be? So I get there, and as soon as I take that first step out the door, just my gut is like, you know, it's like, exactly is like in circles. I'm like, well, that's a wrinkle in this this equation here. I thought, I'm like, oh, it's okay, but maybe this will still be okay. So I get up, and there's this guy standing in front. He's like, I called, but why are the police here? I just wanted the ambulance. And I looked at him, and um, yeah, his ear was not there anymore. He didn't have like his ear was missing.
1: Was it Evander Holyfield?
0: It was, and it's not because it it's funny because the his girlfriend made that comparison later. But <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, "Where's your ear?" And he's like, oh, "I got into an argument with my girlfriend. She bit off." I'm like, "But well, What?" Where, I said, "Well, where, where is it now? <laughs> like, like, do you have it with you? Where's your ear?" And he's like, "No, no, it's probably in the basement somewhere." This is exactly. He's just sitting there smoking a cigarette, and his ear's gone. What the fuck? <laughs> and meanwhile, my stomach. Meanwhile, my stomach is you know i i can't remember what I, i'm sweating balls at this point because my stomach is just like i feel like i'm about to have a, a xenomorph throw out shoot out of my chest cavity um let's we'll see if you get that reference youngie um i don't okay it's from aliens anyway
1: oh okay yeah yeah, yeah yeah
0: yeah so anyway so here i am and i'm the new guy so who's tasked with okay i gotta go downstairs and find the ear So I'm in this guy's basement, which, by the way, prior to the ear biting, they had a bleach fight. So. So it's a bleach. The place stings of bleach. My eyes are watering. I'm looking for an ear and my stomach is just like it's, it's done. My stomach is like it's time to go. But luckily, all was well. I moved a comforter. His ear was there and it went to the hospital with him who knows what happened with that with him they were probably married by the time it went to trial i can't remember but yeah i managed to like go code one back to the uh or code brown back to um back to the station and had to take care of what i needed to take care of but i remember oh yeah so no the answer i guess is no Hmm,
1: all right all
0: but right. I know other, de- but as detectives, we all have gastroenterologists. Whereas we're assigned one when we make detective.
1: Okay, okay.
0: yeah, because we so all
1: have I, I do like not to get like to to back on this, but I I do have some questions Solo about. <laughs> I have some questions about um, the ear. Did she fucking admit to biting his ear off?
0: Oh yeah. Oh, she acknowledged it right off the brain. And she said, You're going to think I'm like Mike Tyson. Like, that's why, was, like you said, Evander Holyfield. Was, she made that comparison herself.
1: Did, why'd she do it? Did she say, like, where they, they had an argument? Yeah, they, they just, just got into a it fight. It they were fighting each other and
0: they were throwing bleach. She actually said she was throwing bleach at him. And he tried to get her to stop throwing bleach and she bit his ear off. Well, she bit his I don't know if she necessarily meant to bite his ear off, but she bit his ear Jesus. and it came What's... off, you know, as, as ears tend to do.
1: You know, I don't know. I could I could go on rants about domestics, but I, that's one of the things like the unspoken thing about domestics is sometimes some of these couples, and I don't know about this one in particular, it sounds like she was definitely the aggressor, but yeah. They both fight. Uh-huh. And there's not really like a primary aggressor and there's not really a victim. Yeah. They're just both assholes and they're both equal parts in it. Correct. Yeah. And it's like there ain't no victim here, people. And be, oh, my God, we have to. Uh, Well, they they just beat yeah. the shit out of each other. That's what they do. I don't yeah. Know you.
0: But you know when there's an ear. There's yeah. an ear,
1: you got to do what you got to do.
0: You got to do what you got to do when there's an ear. Just a lonely ear.
1: Well, yeah. as as we come to the conclusion of this very poorly made police podcast, <laughs> do you have any words of wisdom for all the millions of listeners out there?
0: All the millions and millions of listeners? Uh, yeah, Did you is- say listen
1: to ears? No,
0: <laughs> you see.
1: <laughs>
0: now we have a theme. Um, see, you know the same thing I said before is just, just you know, it's says we have a serious job, but don't take yourself so serious. You know, um, I see. There's a lot of officers that walk around, even in this day and age, with a bunch of arrogance that's unearned. Does you know? Don't take yourself so serious. And um, you know, you, you got a long career. If somebody's deciding they're they're gonna run, just let them go. You'll see them again later. Yeah, is it's, it's tough now. <laughs> it's it's tough. Like you know, I'm like you said. I'm kind of on like the downward swing of my career when a lot of people are starting. It, it's it's tough. Is um. Don't take yourself too seriously. If it, if it doesn't feel, um, if what you're doing doesn't feel right or the situation doesn't feel right, it's probably not. And again, I'll fall back. Start by believing. When people tell you stuff, you know, until you know otherwise, just just believe them.
1: Well said, man. Well, hey. Thanks for uh, thanks for taking the time um, no, out of your your duties on Tatooine to talk to us.
0: Yeah, I know. I'm all booked up for the rest of the, the rest of the day.
1: Yeah. Um. Just you know, maybe keeping a closer eye on the the Han Solo um icicle there. Just yeah, I know. Careful yeah, about that. We, I've heard we've some, been... some whispers. Some, some people might be trying to get him. So,
0: oh, I heard that. We've been we've been keeping him dusted. Um,
1: yeah. <laughs> well, you guys know what to do. Um, take care of the fine sponsors. Uh, so, because without them, I wouldn't be able to to take the time out of uh, Jabba's day and out of my day to uh, do these podcasts. And then, of course, uh, buy some merch. We got bunch of coins t-shirts mugs stickers all the good stuff to support the podcast and you could also be the uh, monthly donor of the podcast there's a link at the end of every single podcast click on that it's like a patreon but you don't get anything Mm -hmm. by the way real quick uh, side note i did a poll probably a month ago now about if i'm going to do a patreon or a email list to put out the the little more spicy memes because i just don't know the rules on Facebook and Instagram are kind of like made up as they go along. Sometimes things are totally fine, some things are not. So, I have some memes that I'd really like to put out, but they're going to maybe get taken down and I don't really want my page shut down. So, I'm still working through what we're going to do there, but at some point I will sort myself out and there'll be something new coming along whether it's email or Patreon or something. But with that said, you guys remember <laughs> And I love most of you. Bye-bye.